our sister podcast series, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, has completed its coverage of season one of the classic George Reeves television series. All episodes are now available to listen to on your podcast platform of choice. If you missed any or haven't yet sampled the podcast, I hope you'll catch up during the hiatus before our season two coverage launching later in 2024. If you're not familiar with Adventures of Superman, we break down each episode specifically to give you the context you need, and we examine the show in relation to the larger Superman mythology, just like we do here. Plus, many of your favorite Digging for Kryptonite guests, like Rich Roney, pop up on the Rewatch podcast as well. If you're looking for some recommendations of episodes to sample, Episode 1, Superman on Earth, with guest Zach Moore from Always Hold On to Smallville, is a fascinating look at an early telling of Superman's origin on screen. Episode 13, The Stolen Costume, with guest Dan Greenfield of 13th Dimension, is one of the most well-known episodes in the show's history, and I guarantee you'll have an opinion about Superman's actions at the end, one way or the other. And our season one finale, Superman and the Mole Men, with voices from Krypton author Ed Gross, revisits the often overlooked first theatrical Superman feature, which was later repurposed as the two-part finale of season one. Thanks to everyone who's already made the jump over to our companion show, to everyone else, I hope you'll join us over on another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, wherever you get podcasts. Adventures await. For decades, the history of the DC Universe has been marked by its crisis-level events, status quo-altering storylines that have rewritten continuity while also providing a meta-commentary on DC Comics publishing itself, and all under a signature red glow. This is Red Skies, a 13-part podcast epic mining these events and the Superman of it all. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Red Skies Chapter 9. And joining me to discuss Flashpoint and Flashpoint Beyond, both written by Jeff Johns, returning guest, real-life Lobo cosplayer, Justin DeVoe. Welcome back. I've been so excited. I'm trying to catch up because school just started again. I just listened to uh, you and Sean from Fat Moose. That's always fun. Um, Dude, it's so good. Like, I got to switch my personalities with the guests that you listen to. Like I know Sean's going to come on with like a lot of sarcasm and a lot of other people come on with like all the notes and stuff like that. But it's been, I've been waiting for this one. As soon as you asked me and I made the joke, it was like, if Sarah asked me to do something, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I got this other stuff to do with my mom's. So you got to help me. I was like, yeah, but you know, I got to do this other stuff first. When you're like, do you want to do a show? I'm like, when just give me the time I'll move stuff around. Of course, you know, it's partly facetious, but only partly, but I'm excited. Now, listen, I appreciate that. And that's a great, opportunity for me to issue a thanks. I always thank the guests and I always thank the audience, but there is another group. I do really want to thank the significant others, in particular the wives and the girlfriends of the guests who come on here, because as the audience knows, these can be pretty epic recordings and we're doing them at night. And a lot of times it's over the weekend. And I know as well as anybody how precious any time is, and especially family time and all of that. So I I always appreciate the significant others who let me borrow <laughs> their guys for these for uh, for for these recordings. It means a lot. Yeah. Before you came on, she leans over, so sweet, and she goes, "I just want to let you know, like, I have work to do too. So I know you guys can go on for a long time." But like, she was totally understanding about it. I said, "Don't worry about it. I get it." <laughs> especially this one. Like, we can do shit. I can break night doing this one until tomorrow morning, based on uh the storylines and the connected storylines, not so much the button, but we'll get into that too. Um, I'm excited. So where do you want to start? Like I'm, 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 I'm ready. 
Yeah, I'm excited to have you here in particular because I know what a fan of the Flashpoint world you are, and I want to get into all of that. Look, for people who are listening, you didn't just see, but Justin held up a custom Martha Wayne Joker sneaker, and it's incredible. Which, by the way, I would be remiss. My sneaker guy is Eccentric Art, E-C-E-N-T-R-I-K on Instagram. His name is Elam. He's the sweetest dude in the world. He does... They all come white and he custom paints everything. So you could be like, I want giraffes and 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 and, and jaguars and I'll make it happen. He made all the shoes for my wedding party. So like I go to him for everything. Yeah, but you got to check that guy out. He's super talented. Very cool. Very cool. So we're at an interesting juncture now in this Red Skies event. Now, peeling away the stories that led into or led out of the crisis events and just drilling down on the crisis stories themselves, as everyone knows, we have the original crisis in 85. And it's not until 20 years later, 2005, that we get Infinite Crisis, the true direct sequel. And yes, in the interim in 94, we had what I kind of call Crisis Light in, in the form of Zero yeah. Hour. It was there. <laughs> crisis light. It was yeah. there. It's got Crisis in its subtitle and all of that. And it gets referenced here and Hypertime makes a return. We'll talk about all of that. But essentially, yeah. you have Crisis, the 20 years later Infinite Crisis. And then very shortly thereafter, in 2008, we have Final Crisis, which you haven't heard this episode yet based on when we're recording, but I had such a change of heart and perspective with respect to Final Crisis. I'm all in on really? Final Crisis now. I love it now. I get it in a way that wow. I didn't before. And you know, in the past, I was always kind of flip about how it was even called Final Crisis, because of course there will be right. more... There will be more crisis events, but I feel like it yeah, earns. We just its had title. the dark crisis. It seems like they throw crisis on something, and it's like we're gonna buy it and shit. So yeah, yeah, yes. But I think in terms of what that story was doing and the themes it was tapping into, I think it earned the title final. And in fairness to DC, they did wait until, like you just said, dark crisis very yeah. recently before the word crisis yeah, came back. Like almost what fifteen years ago or fifteen years later, something like that. Yeah, yeah. However. In the in between, we had other crisis level events, even if they didn't have crisis in their title. And we're starting here with 2011's Flashpoint, the five issue miniseries by Jeff Johns and Andy Kubert. At this point, I can't imagine there's anyone who's unfamiliar with the story because it's been adapted in the CW television series. It's been adapted it into an animated movie. And as you and I discussed at great length not too long ago, it was also part of the basis for the blockbuster, and I put that in quotes, <laughs> flash movie. But, it was hot as a baby in an oven or a baby in a microwave. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. No, no babies in microwaves in the original source material. All right. No, Look, no. I, I got it. <laughs> I mostly got it out of my system. There's it'll, I'm sure it will come up again, but I really, no, honestly, yeah, I really made right. a, I really made a specific point to myself. Right. I was like, listen, you tore that movie apart for two hours when we did that yeah. other episode. So I, I'm not looking to further belabor the point <laughs> or antagonize uh, anyone. So it I know might, I just like to push a button sometimes. It might seep in here and there. There's at least one point where I know it will. But for the most part, right, I'm yeah. not trying to relitigate the movie. I've said my piece on the movie. It's funny, though, yeah. our, uh, our our buddy Zach Moore from the Always Hold On to Smallville podcast uh, earlier this evening, he sent me a link to the Flash movie deleted scenes. And I was like, you know what? I wrote back to him. I said, I can't watch this before we record because <laughs> if we do, then I'm just going to come into this and I'm going to be all fired up again. And we're going to spend a half hour on the flash movie. Oh, so I was like, I'm just going to wait, dude, man, I got to see these now. Cause if, if, if the stuff that was in the movie, the train wreck got in, I don't know if I want to see the stuff 
that didn't make it in. But you're right. Like we can easily go down that track and lose everything. Yes. But in terms of the comic, the original comic, the source material, again, the recently returned Barry Allen wakes up in this alternate timeline, powerless, only to find his mother is alive and the DC universe that he knew is completely askew. And he, of course, assumes that this is a result of the machinations of the reverse Flash, his arch enemy, only to find that, in fact, it was Barry all along. And like we said, that's been the basis for uh, numerous adaptations. Most importantly, though, in terms of this event that we're doing, this led to the New 52 quasi-reboot publishing initiative that DC followed for a number of years. So... There's the story in and of itself, and then there are the larger ramifications. Uh, You mentioned The Button. That's a four-part story, a crossover between Batman and The Flash during the Rebirth era. And we'll touch on that because that continues the story of the Thomas Wayne Batman that we meet in Flashpoint. And then we also read Flashpoint Beyond, which... Now, just in fairness, I'm breaking chronology a little bit. So as we know with this event, I've been going in chronological order. Flashpoint Beyond is very recent. It would really slot in essentially right before Dark Crisis, I suppose. But since it's such yeah, a direct sequel. A Flashpoint, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt appropriate to do this here. It definitely, it returns us to the world of Flashpoint. And it also ties into some of Jeff Johns' larger ideas that he explored in Doomsday Clock and that he... Right continues to build out here, especially with respect to the divine continuum that encompasses time in the form of hypertime and space in the form of the omniverse, which includes the multiverse as part of part of which is the metaverse, which is the prime earth, as well as the dark multiverse. You know, at a certain point, it just starts to feel masturbatory, all of this business about the omniverse and hypertime and, and all of that. So. Yeah, but like you got to sell it, right? Like you got it. Like, look, it's very hard, which we found out through the Lazarus rain, whatever the hell that was, um, that it's very hard to kickstart a new character regardless of what you give him, right? Unless you tie him in, him or her or them directly into something. When you throw crisis at the end of something, people are going to be like, oh man, it's crisis. I got to get involved regardless of 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 how little it has to do with it, right? The most recent thing, like Deceased was awesome. Um, and the newest one, Night Terrors was amazing. I love Night Terrors. Night Terrors was great. Um, and that was new. It was just like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to stop all the other titles that we want to come out just for this. And I remember I was talking to Sean of Fat Moose and he's like, oh man, he's like, really? It's got to be in the middle here. But we both said, because we're like you, we're going to give it a shot. And we're going to see how it is. It was amazing, dude. And I don't know how a comic book writer and artist like managed to jump scare, like essentially like the audience. But man, there was a lot of that. It was a lot of that. And I texted Mike, my buddy who works for DC. I was like, dude, you were right. You told me it was going to be good. And it was really good. And he told me they were just finishing up the panel at San Diego or whatever. Um, I liked it. But like I said, you got to go with something that people know. Like at one point, I remember you were talking to Lord Retail and he was like, there's, you know, whatever, 30 books right now, 25 are bat titles because they know that that's going to bring in the money. So instead of taking a chance on like a a dial H when China Melville did it, which was awesome. They're like, yeah, we can't do that because it's not going to sell books. So let's just throw Batman and stuff, which I have a larger problem with what we'll get when we get to the Thomas Wayne uh, panels, especially. 
Yeah, for sure. Thankfully, you mentioned that conversation with Lord Retail. That was a, a little while ago. And fortunately, I do feel like the line, they have diversified the line a bit more. It's not all Batman the way it was for so long. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And there's great stuff going on in the super titles. And I've not yet read Night Terrors, but I've heard great things and it's on the list and, and we'll get there eventually. But since you didn't read it and we're like, yeah, we're getting away from the Batman. of uh, yeah, Not so much. Because guess who the one guy is that fought longest to stay awake? Batman. Uh, who did Dead Man jump into? Batman. It's just like, oh my God. Like it's getting to the point where I remember a couple weeks ago, I read something that people are sick of The Rock because they see him everywhere because all he does is work. My man hustles. He might not print gold all the time, but he hustles. Now people are like, are sick of seeing him. I'm kind of feeling that way about like Bruce Wayne's Batman. Like I really am. It's just too much. I understand the dude has contingencies. I get it. Oh my God. Because if you want to piss off anybody, it's Star Wars people who I love dearly, but the ones that are ravenous are ravenous. Topping that scale now are Bat Boys. Oh my God. You can't say nothing. Of course he's going to be ready. Like, like I made a joke the other day. I was like, yeah, Batman's got a condo that turns into a mech to fight a kaiju. Of course he does. I'm like, no, man. Like he can't do everything. I understand what he's supposed to represent. But he can't do all of that stuff. Like, it's ridiculous that every time something happens, he's like, I knew that was going to happen. Like, why? Like, why? Like, why can't I be more shocked for him to be shocked? But instead, especially at the end of, like, um, the, the, the Batman Who Laughs, it became a headache. Because, well, you thought you knew, but I'm doing this. I did know that, but you didn't know this. I'm like, oh, my God, can we get to the ending? And it's kind of like that where... I understand he sells, but at some point, Jesus, man, you're like you got to give it like a rest in terms of, you know, the omnipotence seemingly of of Bruce Wayne and his like, you know, his repertoire of stuff. I hear you, man. I really hear you, though. I will say when I was saying that it was starting to feel masturbatory, not so much about the Batman of it all or even the event of it all, but really just all of this <laughs> business about the divine continuum and and this this further explanation of the nature yeah. of the DC universe at a certain point, it just feels like, okay. I mean, I guess I'm interested to, to an extent as a lifelong DC fan and someone who does a podcast and talks about this stuff, but, but even I only get so much mileage out of it. And I'm wondering yeah. for the, the more casual fan, I don't know if it just kind of goes over the head and they don't really think about it much or if it, it does put up a little bit of a roadblock. But anyway, that's Flashpoint Beyond. We still have a way to yeah. go before we get there specifically. So here's my kind of overall assessment and relationship with Flashpoint itself in particular. Right. I think from an emotional standpoint, with both Flashpoint as well as Flashpoint Beyond, I think the emotional hooks are strong. Barry's grief over mm -hmm. the death of his mother, Thomas Wayne's grief over the loss of Bruce in this alternate timeline and his quest to set things right so that his son can live. I think in right. both of those stories, the emotional hooks are really strong. Again, when we get to Flashpoint Beyond, all of this, this whole larger discussion about the divine continuum, again, I, I, it doesn't do a Snow ton. Snow globes. It, yeah, it, it doesn't do a ton for me, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. As far as Flashpoint itself, uh, yeah, I, I guess over the years, it's been hard for me to sort of separate the story itself from, from its role as an event in terms of setting up the New 52. And I know- See, I yeah. didn't, but I understand like why 
why that would be the hang up. But for me nowadays, it seems like I read all this stuff as separate. If it led up to something, I'm like, that's great. But it's more like it was a long, like it spanned every title. And it's like, okay, well, they needed to Rick. All right. So they needed to do something. But when I read it, I just read it as like the flashpoint, you know, thing. I know what it did afterwards. But for me, if I constantly do that, I'll be pissed off all the time. Well, and that's the thing. I thankfully now have gotten to the point. I would say that this was the first time that I really read it. Yes, I'm reading it in the context of these crisis events and knowing what's to come. But still, this was the first time that I think I was able to read it <laughs> without being angry at it. Because again, I remember that experience as Flashpoint was coming out and we knew the new 52 was on the horizon and word was coming about how these characters, Superman in particular, was going to be changed. And you know, I've done an episode on the new 52 Superman and I really came around yeah. on that and now I can appreciate his place in the larger mythology. But at the yeah. time... I was really not on board with the changes that were coming. And so the whole time I was reading Flashpoint back in 2011, it was, and again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm irate as I'm reading it, but I, it was, again, hard to just sort of take the story for what it was and just get on board with Barry's emotional arc when I'm really yeah. thinking about the effect that this is going to have on the, on the entire publishing line and my favorite character in particular. But thankfully yeah. now this time I was able to just sort of read it and, and appreciate it for what it is and really delve into the Thomas Wayne of it all. And, and that's why I, I asked you to, to, if you'd be on board with including the button in this. And I'm, I appreciate you, you saying yeah. yes, because between flashpoint and the button and flashpoint beyond, we spend a good amount of time with Thomas Wayne. Now, of course, as I learned uh, as I was doing my reading, he had this whole other journey in Tom King's Batman run, which mm -hmm. I never read. And I was only sort of, it was only sort of on my periphery and I kind of forgot about it. And then I was reminded as I was doing my prep for this and went to Wikipedia and, and read up and all of that. But did you read the Tom King stuff? I, honestly, probably. But the only thing that was fresh in my head for this was I boned up on uh, the Knights of Justice, the button, and some of the ones that I had access to, a lot of like the offshoot, you know, comics, even the ones like I was just talking to uh, OG Justin. I was like, I like the Deathstroke in Flashpoint. Like he's a pirate looking for his daughter. Like that was cool because it was something a little bit smaller. Um, so, no, I mean, I probably did. If you start talking about it, refresh my memory. Yeah, there's probably a good chance. Gotcha. Uh, if, if I understand correctly. I only read the, the very beginning part of Tom King's run. It's sort of on that long-term list of one day, hey, I'd like to finish it and see what the, the whole deal was. But I guess at a certain point, I think it's reverse flash brings Thomas Wayne over to this reality and Thomas Wayne ends up working with Bane to try to convince Bruce to give up being Batman. And so he kind of gets- Oh my God, no, I didn't. I swear to God. You know what? There was a time that I stopped collecting, obviously, because I got involved in stuff I shouldn't have been involved in. That probably happened. But now that you mention it, Jesus, it seems like I want to read it because I love me some Thomas Wayne. So there's a whole other chapter in between the button and Flashpoint Beyond, but we still have right. more than enough to sink our teeth into here. So we'll, we'll be good. The, the last okay. thing by way of setup is that I, I realize, especially in terms of the true crisis events of what we've covered so far, this is the least Superman centric, right? Crisis on Infinite yeah. Earths multiple Superman, same thing with Infinite Crisis, very Superman-centric. And even Final Crisis, as we talked about, at its heart, ultimately is a Superman story. And especially when right. you get into the Superman beyond of it all. Here, very minimal Superman. We get a very different version of Superman in the form of yeah. Subject One. And they do flesh him out a little bit more in Flashpoint Beyond. I did also read the Flashpoint Superman 
miniseries. Uh, that was not part of our official homework, but I did read that. And I also read, yeah, but I made sure to do that anyway. Cause I know I'm on a podcast with you. So I, I made sure to do that one. Well, you inspired me because I saw your post and you were going through a lot of the ancillary material too. And I was like, well, I, I better get on this. I did read the, let me mention this too. I did read the flashpoint Superman and the flashpoint night of vengeance, uh, mm -hmm. miniseries. So uh, I did have that by way of uh, additional background, but, but yeah, I mean, these stories flashpoint, certainly is is truly a flash story a flash event and uh flashpoint beyond is totally a batman story so right yeah not a, not a ton of superman here but we'll talk about what there is and oh that's the last thing i wanted to say though um just going back to kind of that overall assessment of flashpoint in terms of its of its function as this event i think it does it occupies kind of a weird space because it was not meant to do what it did it wasn't meant to be this crisis level event that resets the DC universe. There's yeah. this great oral history of the new 52 that's on polygon.com. And they talk, this came out a couple, just a couple of years ago. And they talked to a lot of the key players who were involved, the ones who are willing to speak. There were a lot who weren't. Yeah. There was <laughs> yeah. a lot of bad blood through all of that, but Dan DiDio and Judd Winnick and Scott Snyder and, and um, Robert Venditti. Like there were a bunch of people who went on the record and talked about how this all came to be. And the, the kind of the, the long and short of it is that, it was meant to be, again, this this Flash-centric story where the timeline mm -hmm. is messed up and then is ultimately set right at the end of it. But they had a new president coming on board in the form of Diane Nelson, and there was this push, hey, we got to get new readers, we, the market's soft, we need to, we need to really shake yeah. things up. And at one of their editorial creative uh, meetings, I think the genesis of this was this notion of, hey, when the timeline's reset, this could be an opportunity to tweak this or tweak that. And then I think it just blew up from there and it became, yeah, we're yeah. going to change a ton of stuff and we're going to restart every book, including action and detective. And it's going to become yep. the new 52. But I think that was, that was retroactive. It wasn't that this event was built for that. So again, no, it was probably built into it. Cause it was like, well, we already have this going on. Yeah. So we might as well just throw it all together and, 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 and do, which is weird. Cause we talked about um, James Gunn. And how, like, he kind of used, or we're assuming, he used this Flash movie, which I won't, I will only mention once, as like, a, look, I need to do the same thing, so we might as well just get it over with, which, you know, essentially is what it looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, I guess the the personal side of all this, because I know from your posts and just from talking to you and seeing you, your custom sneaker and custom statues yep. and all this kind of stuff, clearly the Flashpoint story and the and the world of Flashpoint, the Flashpoint reality really, really grabbed you. So what, what was it about it that has still to this day, right over a decade later, really seems to, uh, to speak to you? Um, it was, it was horrifying from start to finish. It was just like the, first of all, like let's, so I have a custom Martha Wayne statue because they were never going to make her but I bought the prime one Thomas Wayne. He's huge. He's like a third of a scale. He's sitting on a gargoyle. He's awesome. Right. For someone that only lived in so many books, I've seen him cosplayed and stuff like that. Um, I always like Elseworld stuff or like alternate world stuff. And when I was like, wait a minute, Bruce died in the alley. And then it was like, wait a minute. So his dad becomes Batman. And when I heard, heard, heard whispers of Martha Wayne is the Joker. I was like, that's taking a shot. And Azarello, just like, I, look, I will read the newspaper, like the obituaries if he wrote it. Like, this is just one of them dudes that's just like, I like what he does. And as soon as I saw the art, it's like the very simplistic stuff. 
And I have images burned into my head from nights of vengeance. Like when, when Martha is crying and she puts her hand over her face and that makes like the Joker smile. And then they split. And then he's like, you know, you don't smile anymore. And he comes home and she has already pretty much cut her face into a smile and then staples it back together. She blames him. He blames her. And all they want is their son back. And when she finds out eventually later down the line, yeah, Bruce is alive in another timeline. What does he do? He's Batman. She's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just like, there was no upside. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole thing was depressing, but it was depressing and necessary. If you made them happy, it would make no sense. So Thomas Wayne is trying to die. Like, that's what he's doing. He's like, I don't want to do this. He's like, I'm going to kill people with guns because my kid was shot with a gun and he's got the gun that killed his son in a glass case. And it's just like, I'm going to keep doing this until someone kills me. And I'm going to make sure that all of these criminals know actual fear, not I'm going to beat you up and send you to Arkham. He's like, no, they're going in a grave. It's a grave or nothing. And like that kind of raw version of parents. And I read this before Hunter came around. When I read it afterwards, it hit just as hard, but in a different way. Because I'm like, yeah, of course I would. I would. If, if my kid was gunned down in an alley, I'd throw on the cape and fuck it. Dude, I would do the whole thing. And I was like, no, but people have to die. I'm not doing it to like remove criminals and get them, you know, restored. So I think I saw a lot of myself resonate in both Thomas and Martha. There's an unhinged, like, no, now we're going to kill kids. That's fine. We'll start kidnapping kids and we'll kill them. And then when, you know, Gordon comes in and shoots them, I was just like, there was no upside. It was going to end poorly. It did end poorly. And it's just like, and it was done. Like there was no fan service of like, and they all have live happily ever after until Flashpoint <laughs> Beyond, which was my issue, right? That should have just lived that way. It's just like, it almost ended like you got hit in the face with a hammer. And that was it. They're like, we're done. So I think the, the raw reality of, yes, he would be, he would, he'd be using his doctor abilities to torture people. He's probably hopped up on like trend and steroids and like all kinds of stuff. And he's got a mission, but it's like Bruce's mission, but it's complete. He's just like, no, he's like, I'm not standing for this. People are going to be afraid because they know if I'm out there, I'm not going to break an arm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm putting people in the morgue or the hospital. And um, I think it's because I was like, yeah, yeah, that's how people should react. That's how people should react. Um, And Martha's diabolical. I say it all the time. Martha Wayne is my favorite Joker. She's my favorite. She didn't just pop up out of nowhere and it's like, no one knows who he is and he's got facial recognition. Then three of them showed up, which don't don't even get me started about that mess. And it's just like, she had a real stake in it. She had a real stake in it. He's like, you never smile. She's like, now I smile all the time. It just seemed like Night of Vengeance was realistically what would happen if somebody died in an alley. You know what I'm saying? Not like the, oh, and I'm going to, you know, swoop in and, you know, I am vengeance and stuff. Like, no, these two are like, no, my kid died. Now someone has to die. Like someone has to pay. And they're their own worst enemies because she's like, I blame you. Dude, it was just awesome. Like it was thrilling, dude. It's three issues that haven't moved me like any other three issues, I think in as long as time as I'm a reading comics. So it resonated really hard with me. 
Right on. No, I, I appreciate you sharing all of that. I will say that the Thomas Wayne, the Flashpoint Thomas Wayne and Martha, I think that is more than Barry's story, more than the New 52 that it wrought, more than the divine continuum that we're now contending with. I think that's the legacy of, of Flashpoint, and I think it's the most compelling aspect of Flashpoint, the yeah. the Thomas Wayne and the Martha Wayne, because to your point, it's it's heartbreakingly real and and real. relatable. Yeah. And we we can yes, and just like yourself, yes. as a dad, and I know I say it all the time, but yeah, it's totally changed the way I I read so many of these stories. Yeah, typically Superman, but something like this as well. And, of course. And so that just that just hits in a totally different way. So that's number one. Number two. Well, it hit harder than the goddamn Canterbury Cricket. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I did not get that far into the oh, I ancillary did, material. I told you I was going to as a joke, and I reread it, and I was like, okay. But I told you I was going to, so I did it. I uh, well, I appreciate that. Here, here's the thing, and I want to circle back to Thomas Wayne, but I, 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 I want to say this in a nice way because I respect. I know it's not easy to make comics, right? So I don't say this in a dismissive way. But I remember when Flashpoint, oh, wait, of course, I remember when Flashpoint was coming out. So you had your core five issue miniseries, and then this wasn't your typical event where Green Lantern eighty six was a Flashpoint tie-in. Instead, they had these miniseries that explored the world of Flashpoint and. I think I just kind of had an instinct and certainly I was flipping through them at the comic shop and all of that, but I think I just kind of had an instinct that it just, they did, they felt skippable. Right. And I'll, I'll just kind of leave it at that. And now I really, I do have to say night of vengeance was really strong. So I think that's an yeah. exception, but I don't think that's necessarily reflective of the quality of the rest of the miniseries. And like I said, I read the Superman one. I, it, I don't know. It it really did not. Yeah. It did not do much for me. I'll kind of I'll kind of leave it at that. But yeah. but anyway, with with Thomas and Martha Wayne, I think the other aspect of it is, it's such a compelling rendition. It's yes, it's this alternate take. It's this spin. We're flipping the Batman origin story where Bruce dies and his parents live. One becomes Batman and one one becomes the Joker. But separate from being this alternate take, it is truly compelling in and of itself. Like if this, if we never had the yeah. typical traditional Batman story and this was what we got, it works. It yeah. totally works. And so I think yep. that, that elevates it as well. And then, and I don't even know if they had the foresight to be like, people are going to love this so much. But every time I talk flashpoint, they're like, Oh, I like this series. I like that. Series. But that night of vengeance one, like that one speaks to so many people because it didn't pull any punches. So you're right. When I, was collecting because I remember on the top of the Flashpoint books were the coming attractions for the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds. Like that's how far along we're from this. Okay. But I made sure to get every title. I got the Ab and Sir one because yes, a lot of them were skippable, but I was happy that some of them weren't. And I was presently supplies like the Ravager. That one was awesome, right? With Deathstroke. I was into that because he's just a pirate. I'm like, man, you're a pirate in, in Aquaman C. I don't know if that's a good idea. And I did like, the Superman of it all, but you know, he got freed, kicks a mess and then pimped off. And they're like, and I think it was Thomas. He goes, that's your Superman. Like the guy just like leaves. So it was kind of like, yeah, he could have did something, but like they put all of their eggs into this one basket and it didn't turn out like Sasha Kaye where she's like, yeah, of course I'm going to help. And like actually does something like he's like, all right, thanks man. See you later. And just like leaves. 
And Thomas Wayne, like he couldn't stop himself. He's like, there goes your savior. It was just like, oh my God. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Is that what you didn't, is that what you didn't necessarily like about it? Cause you wanted him to like don the suit and the tights and stuff. So, I mean, I think this is definitely a major area for discussion here about, about Superman's role. So let's, let's table that for a second. Cause I, the, the last okay. thing I want to say about Sorry. Batman, no, 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 totally fine. The, the last thing with, with Batman, well, not the last thing, more to say, but <laughs> for the moment, the last thing yeah. about Thomas Wayne Batman is that, yeah, it's, it, it's such a great twist on, again, when you have these alternate reality, alternate timeline stories, yes, there's usually some sort of quest to have to set things right, but there, there's this added component here where he, his quest is, is to die, right? He needs to set this back mm -hmm to the point where his son lives and he doesn't. And, and that's more than okay with him, just as it would be more than okay with you or with me, or I'm sure any parent right. out there. But I think that just kind of, that adds, that adds a different flavor to it because it's like, yeah. And throughout that story, even more so in flashpoint beyond there's this re constant refrain from Thomas Wayne of like, this won't matter. Like everything I'm doing, like this won't matter. Mm -hmm. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. And this is just this yeah. inescapable, um, you know, pain and grief. And this is the way out to set yeah. everything right. So it's this quest, right, to fix everything, but at at the expense of his own existence. So yeah, I, I, which I he went that. from being miserable, wanting to die, to being like, oh, so this isn't even real. Like, so none of this, like, all this is manufactured. Cool, I get to die at the end of it. He wasn't like, oh my god, like save me or like bring me with you. He wasn't even like, I want to see my son. He's like, just make sure, like we talked about, and like Zach, 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 I got kisses for you, buddy. When he's like. He said this multiple times. Whatever you do, do not be Batman. I don't want that. His mom doesn't want it. We want him to live, it says in quotes, in peace. Now, Bruce is always talking about how important his parents are. My mom and my dad. He goes to visit the grave all the time. You heard your father say, I don't want you to be Batman. He goes, well, you know, justice and everything. Like, why wouldn't that? And I understand, right? Like, Zach's like, you can't do that because then you lose the bat books or whatever, right? Or maybe you give it back to Dick Grayson or whatever. But like your whole your whole plight is because of what happened to your parents in the alley after Zorro, crime alley and stuff like that. Your dad wrote you a note and looked you dead in the face in the button series and stuff like that. And he's like, I don't want you to be Batman. I want you to live your life and live peacefully and find love and have a kid and stuff like that. And he's just like, well, part of my language, he's like, fuck you. Like, yeah, dad, I did this for you. And dad's like, good, you don't have to do it anymore. He's like, well, kind of going to do it anyway. And I know you haven't read it yet, but in the Gotham War, the current thing that's going on, Gotham, violent crime in Gotham is down 75%. The big wigs like, you know, Riddler, Mad Hatter, they don't have henchmen anymore. All the henchmen have left and now they work for Selena. She's like, they're, they're only robbing rich people. They're only robbing the rich stuff that they like insurance will pay off for. She's taken all of these thugs, criminals, violent offenders off the streets. When Bruce comes back from his other multiverse romp with a fake hand, he got mad. All crime is crime. Son, it's down 75%. You got to chill out. And like, he kind of like, and I think it was, I think it's Chip Zdarsky writing it. Like at one point he just jumps off the roof and he's like, no. Like, what are you, throwing a tantrum because you're the one who didn't do it? And he's like, all crime. Okay, but if she stops doing what she's doing, 
Now it's going to go back up again. You've been operating in Gotham for how long? Things just continue to get worse. No one's afraid of you. And it's just like, how long are people going to make excuses for that, right? How long are people going to make excuses for, oh, he's going to send them to Arkham and they're going to get better and blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, I know it's a comic and we can write them in our heads if you want to. But at some point, that that reasoning is going to start getting stale with a lot of people. Like, look, man, what she's doing is working and the entire Bat family essentially is behind her. Even Tim Drake is like, she's making a good point, man. Stephanie, all of them, they're like, you're making a really good point. And Bruce is like the only one. Bruce and Damien. I'm sorry, if Damien Wayne is on your side and thinks something is a good idea, you should probably rethink it because he's a psycho, right? And it's just like, now you're getting what you want. And I just think he doesn't like it because he's not the one to make it happen, which you know speaks volumes about his ego. And it speaks volumes about the fact that he has continuous traumatic stress disorder. And you know he he teeters on the edge of having disassociative identity disorder. He's mad. He's big mad because he's not the person who thought this up. And yeah, well, yeah. No, no, no. I, I listen. I, I appreciate the passion. One day, years from now, when I do my Batman podcast, we'll have a lot to explore. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw Yeah. You know, you mentioned the button, and like we said, it's this four-part crossover. There's more setup involved, but for purposes of what we're talking about right now— the, it's filler. It, For all intents and purposes, it's filler. It is. It's a bit of a bridge between that Rebirth special written by Jeff Johns that brought Wally mm-hmm. West back to the DC Universe and really marked the end of the New 52 and what Johns would do in Doomsday Clock. And this was sort of just right. kind of planting some seeds for that, but not really moving the story forward all that much. But it's, it's a cool Batman and Flash team up. And It is, especially the Countdown. Countdown, I love. The rest of the book, I was really like, whatever. You knew it was Dr. Manhattan because they had kind of pressed – that going to happen. I don't think you needed three or whatever, four books to do that. Like I don't, it was predominantly them like chasing each other. And yes, Thomas Wayne comes back in, but you didn't need them. Yeah. Right. Like you don't even need to go there. It just seems like, Oh, if we put Thomas Wayne in something, we're going to sell issue two or whatever it was. I think you didn't even need all that. I do like the countdown though. He's like, give me 60 seconds. And when reverse flash throws up or shows up, he's like, it's cool because each panel counts a different second and all he's got to do is wait and get his ass kicked, which I thought was cool. But the rest of it, I just thought was unnecessary filler. Like they needed to put books on shelves for, for, <laughs> for like a month. No, no, no. I hear you. 
But, you know, coming out of Flashpoint, Flash is able to, quote unquote, fix the timeline. Not not quite, but more on that later. Yeah. But that seems to be the end of the Flashpoint world. And then in that button story, we get this return to that world and this big question about how the Flashpoint timeline, in, including Thomas Wayne, even still exists. But it, it's really ultimately a mechanism so that you can have this face-to-face meeting between Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne Batman. And it has a moment, and I posted it on social media earlier today and talked about how it gets me, man. I tear up every time. And I think- Every time. Every time, dude. And I think the first time I read it, because I was really out of the loop for a while, really after Flashpoint, as I've talked about, I really was not into the New 52. And it took a while before I really got back in. And so it was kind of like baby steps at this point. I think I read the button kind of not too long after it came out. But it was still, I think, right before uh, we, we had our son or something like that. I have to check the dates and do the math and all that. But I just remember when Thomas Wayne says to Bruce, it's like, I delivered you and you were my world. And you know, mm-hmm. the second I saw you, I knew that all the choices I made in my life were the oh right gosh. ones because they yep. led to you. And I think about that a lot, not to get too religious or philosophical or what, but I'm not a big believer in the whole everything happens for a reason in that right. it's some preordained thing or, or anything like that. In in my mind, everything happens for a reason, but the reason is is what you find. Like you find yeah. the reason. Everything happens yeah, and then you find yes. the reason. It's not that it happened because it was just going to happen. Right. Uh but you know, at the same time, yeah, you always hope that you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing, all of this and yeah. and, and that idea is something that has so resonated with me since becoming a dad. This this idea of like, yeah, Every, like I wouldn't change a single thing. Everything I did, good, bad, or indifferent, like everything I did was yep. right because it got me here. It's a beautiful moment and it, it makes me tear up every time. And then, yeah, yep. and then Thomas Wayne gives that advice that you were alluding to where he's like, stop being Batman. You don't have to do this. We, your mother and I, like, we would just want you to be happy. And you mentioned Zach, Zach Walliner, one of our, our, our friends and audience members. And, and he commented- He made such a great point, dude. He made such a great point. Like I couldn't wait to respond to that dude. He made an amazing point. Yeah, because he was talking about how Batman can never stop being Batman. What did he write specifically? He said, Zach Walliner said, so why didn't he listen to Thomas other than for the character needing to continue to be around to sell comics, toys, movie tickets, et cetera? Well, well, that's the thing, right? So kind of from that real world perspective, (laughs) Bruce Wayne will continue to be Batman. I also had another audience member on Twitter uh, or X as it's now called, (laughs) Um, Matthew, he, he commented too. And he was like, you know, but the, Comics like we'll never let Batman have a happy ending. And I quoted the line from Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader, where as Bruce is having this uh, end of life uh, moment with his with his mother, and she says, you know, the only reward you get for being Batman is you get to be Batman. And that's yeah. it in this and this never ending cycle and everything. But more tangibly, as, as far as w- w- you know, why why Bruce doesn't take that advice or what effect it has, I, I mean, I feel like I don't know. This cuts both ways. On the one hand, to your point, to have gone most of your life without your parents, having lost them in the in the most traumatic, horrible way possible, to finally have this opportunity to get to get some parental guidance, right? You would think, okay, that that would land, and I might directly from your dad, yes, who watched you die because he doesn't know what it's like. But they even tell those moments when, like, Bruce falls through, like that last like conversational panel is Thomas bringing Bruce back up. Cause he fell through and you had that moment too, which was like beautiful. And like, 
And like, it just seems like that would be the closure that Bruce would need, right? Like came directly from your dad. This is what I want for you. It's, it's, it's Thomas's face in the panel. He's like, this is what I want. He's like, no one wants that. Like, you know, no one wants you to be Batman. Like, we just wanted you to be happy. You don't have to do this. There's other people that can do it. And it's just like, I don't know. That seemed like a great off point to maybe bring in another Batman for a while. And then if it doesn't work, of course you throw Bruce Wayne back in. But at that point, like there should have been a definite stopping point after that. Like, in my opinion, there just should have been. No, I mean, I hear you. But I, but I guess the flip of this, because I was, like I was saying, it cuts both ways. And I feel like the other way is if you, have, if you have devoted yourself to this cause, to this ideal, at least in part to honor these people you lost. Like, it's your whole reason for being is to be yeah. Batman. And then you're told by the person whose words you crave the That's most what I'm, and yep. whose approval you crave the most. No, but I'm saying, but I mm-hmm. could see it going the other way where it's like, hey- you know, th- this is who I am. This is what I do. I do it for you. So this idea of like, I, I mean, I, okay, I, but I, yeah, that is unbelievably selfish. Then if the person to like, or look, I'll give you a real life example, right? Your boy gets older, right? You're working or whatever, right? I don't want to be like your Batman. Cause then I kind of said it right. Right. And say you keep working, you want to retire. Oh no, you don't want to retire. He wants to retire. Right. And he looks at you dead in the face and he goes like, dad, I got it, man. Like, you don't have to look out for me anymore. Like, I got money. I got a girlfriend. I got all that stuff. What would make me most happy is for you to be home so I could stop by at any time and see you. You're going to tell him no and keep working? I wouldn't, but... (laughs) 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 But but no, but that's the thing. But no, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I feel like for for Batman, it would just... I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't think that would be an easy switch to make. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. The, that's a tough one. You know, the other thing, I I didn't bring this up in the last episode when we did Final Crisis because we already went like two and a half hours and I <laughs> at a certain point yeah. I was like, all right, I gotta let it go. But when I was doing my Final Crisis reading, I read an issue of Superman Batman written by Judd Winnick fairly deep into the run. This for Superman Batman, not the Batman Superman, uh, you know, series that would, that would follow. And it was it took place in the aftermath of final crisis and Bruce's seeming death. And this is where Dick had assumed the mantle of Batman. And it's, it's, so it's exploring the Clark Dick relationship and Mm -hmm. Clark's initially a bit put off that Dick has taken over the mantle and a lot of back and forth, but they ultimately come to an understanding and common ground as you would expect them to. And one of the things they bond over is this idea that it's been a couple of weeks since I read it, but the, the gist of it was that, most people think Bruce does what he or did what he did out of out of vengeance or or whatever you want to call it. But what Clark and Dick talk about is how no Bruce was grateful that he survived, right? And he wanted to yeah. do something positive with that and and, mm-hmm. and keep anyone else from experiencing what he did. So I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of that swimming around in there for Bruce too, where it's like, hey, it's it's. Oh, the other thing too is I think, and this ties into that, that Tom King run that I've only read a little bit of, but mostly have read about where now I want to, where, damn, that sounds good, where he is pursuing that relationship with Catwoman. And so I think there might be something to be said here. And I would love for the, the, like the hardcore Batman fans to, to weigh in here and and get some more perspectives on this because I think there might be something peacefully too. Yes. Cause, cause I'll slap somebody like be respect. (laughs) Look, me and Anthony try to be respectful all the time. You got to do the same thing. And again, just 
a real quick pause. I'm not hate like listen, man. If Batman's your world and you want to make excuses for all the stuff that he does, like builds a dark side suit, which he goes to get Damon, that one I let go. Because I was like, yeah, I build a suit to get my son in the scene with like Damien on his back all beaten up. That does it to me too. Like, yeah, like, of course, man, of course we people be out there. The same people are like Darth Vader as well. Like, I get it. But like, come correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, have an adult conversation. All right, guys. <laughs> I got to say, very limited except We have an awesome audience. And I feel like anytime yeah. people are expressing a different opinion, it's it's always, they're cool. And we have a, we have a good back and forth. And I, I appreciate that. So, yeah. uh, but that's all to say that I think maybe one of the things that Tom King was getting into was this idea that Bruce could could be could be happy without while still being batman right it's it's not an all or nothing sort of thing and so yeah. anyway there's that whole piece of it but just going back to thomas wayne and, and our perspectives as fathers i know you'll appreciate this as the jersey guy that you are the jay and silent bob reboot movie where they encounter ben affleck's holden mm. character at the comic convention and for people who've seen the movie you know exactly where i'm going with this but but Affleck's, oh, his speech? Affleck's character gives this whole speech about how you grow up and you're the star of your own show and you're Bruce Wayne, right? And then you get older and you have kids and you realize, no, you're a supporting player in their story. Yep. You're the Thomas Wayne. And I have that recorded. Dude, I screen recorded that on my phone. It's one of the best speeches I've ever heard before. And it, I bawled like almost the entire, almost the entire time to it because he nailed it, dude. He nailed it perfectly. He really did. It's it's a it's the my favorite scene of the movie, hands down, and it totally resonates. And it's it's definitely something I had in mind as I was reading this because, again, look over the past few years since becoming a dad, I've done a ton of Superman reading. Yeah. Not a, not a tremendous amount of Batman reading. Oh, really? You and, more? No kidding, really. <laughs> but when I when I do read and this in particular, this more than anything, right? We're actually yeah. given a story, multiple stories from the perspective of Thomas Wayne. You realize, yeah, it's like. I'm not at the point in my life anymore where I read this story from Bruce's perspective. It it really has flipped. And so, yeah. you know, all of, all of that just spoke, spoke to me so much more now. Look, and we, remember yeah. when they're like, Thomas, we need you. We're like cyborg and his whole click. We need you. We need you. We need you to the hero to hero. Thomas Wayne looks at them and goes, I'm not the hero of this story. He's like, I'm a guy who's been like murdered and like tortured by my own pain. He's like, I got to, I believe the direct quote at one point is like, I have too much blood on my hands to be the good guy. Like that's realistically the truth. And it was just like, it was just those simple, like hard hitting, like where everyone's like, we need Batman. He's like, dude, like you don't understand. He's like, you don't, you don't. And I don't want to do it because I'm not the good guy. I'm not the hero. Like, what don't you guys, like I am a, a victim and I'm a product of what happened. Like, I don't want to be the hero. Like, you guys keep saying that. Like, I'm not a hero. I'm not and a hero. When he says, I'm not whatever God yeah. need me to be. <laughs> right. But when Thomas says it, I believe it. Sometimes when Bruce says it, I'm like, dude, you like being on lunchboxes. Stop playing. <laughs> and now I'm not saying that's all the time, but like, ain't no Thomas Wayne lunchboxes out there. Like, no one got Thomas Wayne. Po- like, if you live in that world, you don't have a Batman poster or Thomas Wayne in your house. You're shit scared to do anything because Thomas Wayne is out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that Batman don't play. But I like how he's like, dude, I'm not the hero. He's like, I'm not, dude. Like, I'm not even the good guy. Like, I'm doing what's necessary. Dude, he's such a G, dude. I love Thomas Wayne. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a broken man. There's a line in, I think it's Flashpoint Beyond, but it, I forget exactly which miniseries it's in. But he says that it's like you don't, you don't, it, he's drawing a line between what Bruce is doing 
in his reality as Batman versus what he's yeah. doing in his reality as Batman. And this, this notion of, you, you know, it, it's different when it's your child as opposed to Bruce who mm -hmm. lost his parents. And it's like to lose a child, it's like, you just, you don't get over that. Like it's not the same. And so Never. yeah, for Never. him, it's just about this, this pain and punishment and the light at the end of the tunnel for him is the end of his existence because it means his son will live. So it's yeah. endlessly compelling like I said, I don't want to harp on the Flash movie, but we talked about this when we covered it, and I'll just re reinstate it now, having reread the source material. It it is it is baffling to me that they gutted, and we'll get more into the Flash stuff in a moment. But they gutted Reverse Flash and and the Thomas Wayne Batman piece. Yep. To be honest, I'm surprised they even kept Barry's murdered mother at the rate they were yep. going. I think, yep. <laughs> you know, so, but, but the, since we're talking Thomas Wayne, it's like, it's such a, it's such a gripping part of this story. And I feel like it was such a misstep to just make it another Batman. So I, I don't have anything more because to say than was, that we haven't already said, but. Because it was Michael Keaton. I yeah. got swept up in it too. When they took the cover off and it's, you know, the 89 Batmobile, I was like, like I got off, but like, realistically speaking, that movie would have been way better if you bought in the two people from The Walking Dead. Like, I know that they were Bruce Wayne's parents in one of the movies. Yeah. The two people from The Walking Dead, a girl who plays Maggie, which, by the way, like, give them a movie. Yeah. Give them a movie. Because if it was them two and you played that and just the Flashpoint stuff, right? Because he still goes to Thomas. He still gets it back without the Wonder Woman and Aquaman of it all. Because let's face it, like, that's a multi-part, like, that's a trilogy movie right there. But you could have did that. And I think you would have came up with a better movie. I really do yep. because then you don't have hokey shit. You can have some hokey shit, but you're not doing it. Just be like, well, you know what happens if we throw, you know, Michael Keaton in this movie, it's going to put asses in seats. Well, it didn't, <laughs> yep. you know, so the chance you should have took, you didn't take. I know. I know. But let's get back to the flash of flashpoint. Yes. Now, one of the other things that I sort of had, in my head the first time that I was going through this was, was all of this business about Barry's return. And I actually, I did even further background rereading for this episode. So in our last installment, like I said, we did final crisis and uh, that of course featured Barry Allen's return to the DC universe. And like I said, in that episode, man, did it work for me because here you have a character who sacrificed himself at, during the original crisis mm -hmm. and he makes his return during quote unquote, the final crisis at a point where the DC universe across the board is at its lowest point, right? Humanity yeah. is being subjected to anti-life. Superman is, is often the overvoid having his adventure. And there's the presence of dark side that's just warping time and space. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a low point for the DC universe. And so to have the spark of hope emerge when most needed uh, I thought it was really powerful and it was cool, this yeah. idea that he had, he had returned from the Speed Force after all this time. It's funny, in that episode, Mike and I were like, where was he all that time? And I can't remember offhand if one of us actually said Speed Force or not, if we didn't, Speed Force, he was in the Speed yeah. Force. <laughs> and it was this really triumphant, really heartfelt, poignant return, I, I think. And then, and then Grant Morrison, right, who wrote Final Crisis, hands the reins over to Jeff Johns for the Flash Rebirth miniseries. And then a 12-issue Flash series with Francis Manipal on art that then leads to Flashpoint. And so I reread Flash Rebirth and that 12-issue Flash ongoing yep. series. And, um, well, let me ask you first. Do you, is, do you have a horse in this race as far as as far as far your preferred Flash and, and the fact that Barry came back? Is that something that you feel strongly about or you're like, eh, it's fine? 
I could take honestly, it I'm a Wally West guy only because I enjoyed those comics better. Like I can kind of take or leave Barry Allen. Like it's really not a big deal to me, but Wally West was always kind of my dude. And for no other reason than a, he provided like a really good, like a really genuine humor to things. Like it didn't seem forced and he was more of like a playful, I don't say like a playful flash. Like he knows his power. He knows how to use it, but he wasn't like, plastic man psycho funny but he was just like he was the guy that always injected when it needed to so i've always been you know a wally west guy just because i like that version of the flash better but the fact that it was barry allen and flashpoint i just wanted to read the story like i had very i actually had very little care that the flash was in it at all like he kickstarted it that's fine but i wanted to read more of the division between Arthur and Diana, because I said this on a show we did before. That's my favorite Wonder Woman. That's my favorite Wonder Woman. We see it all the time. She's just on the edge of being like, no, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. And finally she did and went ham. So every time that it was like a little side thing about, about, you know, about Barry Allen, I'm like, get back to like Orm being like a, a, a worm and stuff like that's the part that I wanted to read. I know flash was the vehicle, but I could give a shit less. Honestly, if, if, if that version of the flash was in it, he had a kickstart it, but other than that, like I could read the whole thing without his parts at all and be perfectly content. Interesting. It's, it's funny. I, you know, when we talk about the world of flashpoint, this altered timeline after, and again, it's not until, really the end of Flashpoint that we learned it was Barry who created the Flashpoint and not reverse mm-hmm. Flash. But, uh, you know, he, he shatters time forward and backwards. So everything is, uh, everything is a mess and the people closest to him are the ones who, who are seemingly most affected. And so we get various spins on familiar characters, concepts, dynamics. So we yeah. have Arthur and Diana at war and really just, you know, Western Europe is submerged and the Amazons yeah. have taken, uh, you know, uh, Great Britain, and, they yeah. just like, <laughs> to like sink all this. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. So, so we have that. So there, there are numerous twists here and there on the, on the classic mythology. Now, obviously we spent a lot of time talking about the Batman of it all. I think that's really, really right. fascinating. The rest of it, I thought was cool. I mean, there are little bits like uh, Shazam, for example, right? The entire Shazam family, they each possess one of the powers of the yep. wizard and they have to unite to form the one Captain Thunder. And I thought that was a right. cool, that was a cool twist on, on that aspect. Otherwise for me, I don't, I don't get as much mileage out of the, the rest of, of the world. Right. Like the Abin Sir and like the rest of the stuff. It was kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine and, it, and it's interesting and especially first time through it's, it's like, wow, I like, I wonder what's, you know, what, what else is going to be different. But for me, especially now on my, whatever this is, third or fourth reading of Flashpoint, yeah. I was definitely more dialed into Barry and of course, keeping an eye on Superman. The thing with Barry though, when we go back to, to his return after Final Crisis and then what, what Jeff Johns did with him, this was the big, the big change to Barry Allen's origin story was the murder of his mother at the hands of the reverse Flash. And reverse this Flash, idea yeah. that reverse Flash is has has been messing with Barry his whole life in Flash Rebirth, which again I reread. There's he goes on this whole thing where he's like, "Remember that time you fell down the stairs in elementary school? Yeah. That was me. Remember that time yep. someone left the door open and your dog <laughs> ran away? That was I me." Know. 
And and <laughs> because again, in, in previously established continuity, his, his mother was not murdered, right? So this was this new addition, yeah. and it wasn't just. A, a, a retcon, right? It was the idea that Reverse Flash had essentially retconned Barry's life, yeah. and and Barry had to deal with this. And it eventually gets to the point where he ha he wants to change it, and so that's of course he goes back in time, and that's what leads to the Flashpoint. I guess this this whole this whole concept of Barry's mother being murdered, and this being a driving force. This is why he becomes a forensic scientist. He's trying to find out who killed his mother. Yep. He's trying to clear his father's name. Uh, again, when he finds out it's the reverse flash, it precipitates the flashpoint. Yeah. And again, we've seen this has been it was a huge part of the Flash TV show and the movie and the animated stuff. Yeah. I, I've, I've since since whatever year it was, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, with Flash Rebirth, I've always been very, very mixed about this becoming such a core idea to Barry's character. Yeah. How, how do how do you feel about it? Um. Again, it's one of the things where I'm like, whatever. Like, honestly, I had more mileage out of the Reverse Flash miniseries, a part of the Flashpoint, where it's like there's a Flash museum and there's a this. And like, all he wants to do is be curator. And when they find out, well, you know, spoiler alert from however long ago, like every time he doesn't like something, he changes it. Like he strikes out with that girl, tries again in a different way. But the way they retell it is almost like confusing for like the audience. And then you start to pick it up. You're like, wait a minute, someone else, like there's a string being pulled here. Um, other than that, like, I'm, I'm like, it, it, like he's Barry Allen's flash is so low on like my totem pole of like, but, and again, I've tried, I got the Francis Monopole run and everything. And I'm just like, I don't, it, it doesn't seem like there's something dynamic enough outside of like, he's got a treadmill. He can change time. He can break it and fix it. It just seems like they're giving him too much to the point where like, he doesn't need all that. So if you're asking me like my opinion about like what it does to him, like, yeah, all right. That kills mom or whatever. But I don't know. He's, he's never been such a factor. Like honestly, flashpoint was the only time that I actually gave a crap about what flash was doing. And when the other offshoots came out, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I don't give a crap. I want to read these other ones. Gotcha. I, I, I like I continue to wrestle with it, and I guess I could I could see it from both sides. It's definitely here's the thing. Of course, it's a compelling motivation, right? The the idea that this happened to his mother, and it's not just it's not a it's not a a Bruce Wayne story, right? Where it was just this random right. attack. It was that he was targeted. So. Yeah. I, I do it. I least. do like that he fell down the stairs. I do like that. I thought that was funny where he's like, here I go. And like, he trips over his own feet. But you, you know what? I liked that. I like Barry Allen figuring it out. I like him trying to play detective. I like him trying to do that. Like, oh, what happened? I got to figure this. Out. I got to figure that out. And then, you know, it's hit with lightning and they try to reinvent the whole thing. But I liked him struggling because you realize how much he focuses on that power to do everything right but when he had to do it on himself all he did the whole time was try to get that power back and i understand why right like you need speed like you know it's like, oh, like i don't have speed force anymore um but i liked the struggle part i did because he's always like well i'm gonna use this i'm gonna use that like you didn't have any of that shit plus do you want to be in a world where your mother doesn't exist because that's real, real like both of these 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 Jerk off egoist. Like Batman finally gets his parents back. He's like, whatever. And he goes back to being Batman. Barry Allen is in a world where he's like, wait, my mom exists here. 
forget the flash. Why can't I just hang out here? So I don't know. I don't know. It seems like powers took over or, or place and title took over, you know, the driving forces that made them who they were, or that, you know, I'm going to like, you know, my mom's going to be my why, or my parents are going to be my why. And then you get, you know, in a situation where you have them, it's like, yeah, but I still need to do what, yeah, but did you though? Like, I understand you needed to, to sell the book and shit like that. But like, did you really need to? All you wanted was your mom. Well, now you got her. Maybe there's a deeper psychological analysis to be had here about whether, whether these motivations are true reasons or excuses. Right. So there, so there's that. That's right. But just as far as this revision to Barry's origin, like I said, I, I think it is genuinely compelling that this happened to him, to his mother. And I do appreciate the variety that it was not this random attack, but that he was actually targeted by a villain he mm-hmm. hadn't made yet. And yes, the whole time travel aspect ties in perfectly to the Flash mythology. Yeah. So there's a lot about it that that works. However, that being said, I, the thing that's, I, I guess, always bugged me a little bit is and I know I've said this before on the show, I really don't want to be a broken record, but I just feel like with, with Jeff Johns, like I loved what he did with Green Lantern Rebirth. I thought the way he was able to mm-hmm. restore Hal Jordan to his former place in the DC universe without totally wiping away everything that had yeah. happened and kept Kyle Rayner in place and all of that. I thought it was great. And there was a lot of, there was a sort of a lot of business to tidy up with that character. One of the things that, that Johns added there, right, was the death of his father and what a motivator that had been for Hal as yeah. a young boy. And I was like, okay, fine. And then I just felt like, okay, now he takes over Barry Allen and it's the same thing. And like we always talk about with Superman, one of the things I love about the character and why I like the Kents to be alive. I don't need Pa to clutch his arm and fall to the ground, even though I understand the value that that can provide is that I don't, that doesn't always need to be the motivation. Right. And so I felt like it, it took a little something away from Barry to make him like so many others in adding this aspect there's also yeah. the fact, as much as, yeah, we, we chuckle as we talk about reverse flash, pushing him down the stairs as a kid, but it yeah. also becomes the thing <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, he's just, it, it, like the Jeff Johns take on the, on the Barry origin and the reverse flash's role in it, it just makes Barry such a victim over and over. And I don't, yeah. again, it, Wally is in my very, flash, so it's, but I, so it's not like I'm yeah. so beholden to Barry, but I just feel like the character deserves better. But like. Don't you think that like the reverse flash to flash is like the, the Joker to Batman? Like I understand Arch, but that's not what I mean. I mean like Joker is in love, almost infatuated with Batman. Got to keep him around. We're the dynamic, we're the anti-dynamic duo and stuff like that. Everything I do, I do for you. So you continue to chase me around all that stuff. Like all from the playful stuff of pushing you down to like, I'm going to try and make your life miserable because I want to be around you as much as possible. Where, like, it's this same, like, pseudo-obsession. Uh, dude, he, he wanted to be the curator of the Flash Museum. It was his hero, right? And it's like, no, now I can do this. And I can do better at this. And I can do better at this. But at the center of that, there's still this, this like, uncanny obsession with him. That it's really the same relationship. There's definitely an I don't dispute that. I think there's definitely an obsession. I don't think it's quite as ideological it is as it is with joker and batman because with reverse flash there is a very tangible component here where he can mess with barry endlessly and one of the things that reverse flash can do that flash cannot is he reverse flash can go back and change history typically that's a no-no when time fights back but flash rebirth establishes this whole idea that when Barry Allen became the Flash, he didn't tap into the Speed Force. He created the Speed Force. And with right. every stride he takes, the Speed Force grows and powers generations of speedsters. 
And right. in Flash Rebirth, Thawne Eobard, Eobard Thawne, uh, recreates the experiment that gave Barry his powers and creates the negative speed force. And the mm -hmm. negative speed force has these, these different qualities and allows uh, Thawne to tap into these other powers. He can adjust his age, for example. And in yep. that Flash series, there's this whole bit he poses as a kid and then he reveals yeah, himself. Yeah. And, and he also has the ability to go back in time, but he can't kill Barry because he needs Barry to, needs to be alive yep. so that he can ultimately become reverse Flash. Yeah. And I think, again, he needs him. so there is that. And that's why it, it does get interesting in Flashpoint when the Flashpoint essentially renders Thawne a paradox outside of time. And now he's, mm -hmm. he's not dependent on Barry's existence. And so that's where he does yeah. try to make his move to kill him. But, uh, you know. Yeah, like he grew past him. Yeah. Like he had it for that amount of time and he's like now i've outgrown you like i got this other stuff going on but to your, so yeah but, like you led me to this point but yeah like now i'm somebody totally different but to your point as far as obsession it's like could you be the reverse flash without a flash the reverse of what mm -hmm. right your identity is is defined by this other person so again psychologically i think <laughs> i think there's a lot so much on. so it's flipped colors and his name is reverse flash yeah right like 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 it's so like he didn't call himself you know um, the getaway, like, but there was nothing like that. He was like, no, I'm just the reverse flash. I'm so against him, but I'm so like obsessed with who he is that I'm just going to take the same name, which is a mouthful. Like reverse flash is, is a terrible name. Right. But I think that's a part of it. Yeah. It's a terrible name, but it has to be that name. It's gotta be that name. I will say that, you know, it's, it's easy to read the story. Now we know the beats, we know what's going to happen. We've seen it adapted, but the, the reveal that it's Barry who caused the flashpoint, yeah. I think really was a great twist. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do have to say, like, again, when the story starts, so the the end of that Flash series that preceded Flashpoint, uh, Barry's visiting the grave of his mother, and then we see a lightning strike, and we see what appears to be the silhouette of reverse Flash saying everything yeah. will change. Uh, and then Barry wakes up in Flashpoint in this in this world, and he doesn't have his powers. He still remembers how everything's supposed to be. Uh, he hears that there's a skirmish downtown, and he races, trying to change into the Flash. Obviously, can't trips and falls. Probably reverse Flash tripping him. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and he and he runs into his mother, who's alive in this timeline, and he quickly yeah. is putting the pieces together. Right, she doesn't know who Superman is, but she knows Batman. Right, uh, he goes to try to find Iris, and she's with another guy, and so yep. You know, he's piecing together what's going on. But Batman, of course, is always the your, your first stop when you're trying to, to solve a mystery. Uh, and so then, of course, there's all this business with Barry with Thomas Wayne's help. And again, Thomas Wayne almost kills Barry initially. Yeah. Uh, he finds him in the, in the bat cave. He just keeps beating me. He's like, you're crazy. He's like, you're cra there's no such thing. You're crazy. What are you doing here? How do you know this place? And just continues to beat him senseless. <laughs> But the notion that, hey, I come from this world where your son is alive, right? That's enough to get Thomas to go that along with this insane that was plan. the breaks. Right. Instantly. Instantly. Because yeah. at that point, he's like, maybe it's not true, but it's enough to want to know more. Because he's like, I know Bruce, which would make no sense. But, well, I mean, I guess if you lived in that world, you would know that. The, but like, he started to get very specific about it. Yeah. And he's like, so what does he do there? And he's like, he's Batman. And it's just like, whoa, like, I'm sure that is not what Thomas Wayne wanted to hear, dude. It's not what he wanted to hear. So it's kind of like, yeah, so I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't, right? Like, my son's Batman, which is terrible, but I can go or he can go. And that's where we talk about, like, the father sacrifice, right? 
Like I'd much rather be the one to just like, I hate my existence as it is. My existence is nothing without my child. So if this means I can get my way either way, I'm doing it. Like sign me up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now this leads to, uh, really, I think an iconic moment from this mini series that just like with flashpoint adaptation, generally we have seen play out across media now, uh, with, I'm referring to Barry's attempt to his initial failed attempt to uh, restore his powers, right? By strapping himself to (laughs) an electric chair, (laughs) uh, dousing himself in chemicals and getting struck by lightning, trying to recreate the experiment that gave him his powers. And issue two ends with him just fried to a crisp on the ground. (laughs) Fried. I was going to say, man, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, it's funny because. On Facebook, you get your memories, right? And it shows you what you posted on this date yeah. uh, and, and all the years past. And so uh, whenever the anniversary of Flashpoint comes around, because uh, my old posts will, will come up in my memories. And, uh, you know, I was, I was there was a little bit of snarkiness there uh, when that story yeah. was first coming out, largely because of, again, my frustration with this impending New 52. Of course, right. Uh, and I definitely had a lot of fun at, at, what I perceive to be Barry's stupidity in terms of bringing about the flashpoint, frying himself, yeah. thinking that he fixed the flashpoint, but he actually didn't because it led to the but, new 52. Now, of course, in Doomsday Clock, we'll learn it was Dr. Manhattan who was actually uh, manipulating events and we can't lay all yeah. of the blame at the feet of Barry. Nevertheless, uh, I had a lot of fun at, at Barry's expense in those posts. And as, as I was doing this reread, I said to myself, okay, you weren't a kid then, but you were a lot, you know, you're like, well, I was like 24 right. when I was reading this and I'm sure I'll approach this a lot more maturely now and I'm not going to find this funny and I kid you not, man, turn the page at the end of issue two and I'm like laughing, which I don't know. I don't know that that's the, I don't know that that's the response you want to engender in the audience, yeah. but I'm just like this yeah. guy. Uh, and again, we've seen this on the Flash TV show. I think they did it in Star Labs, but still he's yes. you know, trying to electrocute himself. Uh, we saw like, this in the movie. So, so real quick, because, again, Flash appears in other stuff. It's great. When he's like, I'm going to put all the same chemicals there. Okay. Lightning's going to strike at this point. Okay. But hey, maybe you could fill in the blanks for me. Was it all the chemicals at once? Was it a splash of this one and a splash of that one? Like, how did he know the exact amount of each? He's like, I'm going to throw them all up there and see what happens. Maybe that's because they had to do it twice. Like, I don't know. But, like, doesn't that seem like, like it's, it's literally lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Right. Like quite, quite literally it's lightning in a bottle. What, how do you know the ones you put up there are going to crash the same way? You know what I'm saying? Like it, that always seem No, it's a good like point. Almost hyperbolic. It's a good point because in flash rebirth, it opens with a mystery figure. We later learn it's Eobard breaking into the central city police department, the forensics uh, unit and killing the techs who were there and grabbing specific chemicals mm-hmm. during the storm. And then he's doused in it and, and, and all of that. So based on that and what we see in these flashpoint stories, it seems like, no, it's a specific and knowable and known by Barry, at least and reverse flash uh, yeah. set of chemicals that when electrified will generate these powers. And I don't like that. I think there really needs to be this element of of chance or whatever you want to call it. It's not that, Oh, Hey, anybody could do this. If you have the right chemicals and electricity, it's like, no, no, no. It needs to be this, this right moment, right Right. place. All Which I guess is played out of the fact that he had to do it twice 
where like maybe they're like, look, he, he can't get it right on the first shot. Like he just can't because he didn't say which ones. He just said these were all the ones that were here and we'll roll the dice and see what happens. So I guess the nod to that is it didn't work the first time. And the second time it was like, hey, it worked. But even that is a shot in the dark. You know what I'm saying? But listen, I understand you got to keep the book moving. But I'm like you. I'd be more happy if like, you know, if it was Star Labs put something there and it was unstable and they didn't know what it was. And it was one thing and that thing. I just think having all this stuff up there and be like, maybe it's going to work. I don't know. That just seemed like a, a straight, like even for a comic where, you know, people are flying around and shit. Like even that, I was like, that's kind of a reach. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. I do have to say, though, and I'm jumping ahead to Flashpoint Beyond, but when Thomas Wayne wakes up and finds that he's he's back in this world of Flashpoint that was, yep. was seemingly wiped away, he, again, instantly, he's like, well, I have to find a time traveler. I have to set yeah. this right. And of course, it starts with Barry Allen, who in this reality is just a normal forensic scientist, yep. doesn't have much of a life or social life, no no love in his life. Uh, so it's a bit of a downtrodden existence, but he, he's out there and you yeah. know, like Thomas straps him into the chair and he's got the chemicals and he's yeah. going to electrocute him <laughs> and all that. And then we have one of Aquaman's agents. We ultimately find out, well, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I'm actually a little, you know, it's funny. I'm a, I'm a little reluctant because the flashpoint beyond is, is so recent and I know people yeah. might not have read it yet. But it's not, yeah, it's not that recent though. It's not that recent. Fair and enough. We talk about a lot of stuff. I, you, you particularly with your other guests talk about a lot of stuff that like, sometimes I'll listen to it. I'll know the story and you guys make me want to go out and get it anyway. Fair enough. So 
it might not be a spoiler. It might be like, you know, I never wanted to read it. And something that you talk about might be like, you know what? Now I kind of want to read it. Cause it never, like if stuff gets spoiled for you, you know, the ending, but a lot of the fun is in the pieces that gets there. So, I mean, I wouldn't look at that as a negative. I think maybe it might kickstart, you know, some love for some people. I like that. I like that. We'll go with that. So spoiler alert, uh, ultimately that agent is, is working for uh, Martha Wayne, who is alive after all. But, but in any yes. event, this, this agent uh, destroys the chemicals. And so Barry Allen just gets fried and killed. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I just, it's like, man, there, there cannot be a flashpoint story in any form, in any media if Barry mm-hmm. Allen isn't getting fried either to death yeah. or to within inches of death. Or beat up and strapped to a chair or willingly beat up or beat up because he ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Now, of course, in the real Flashpoint, in the original Flashpoint story, after that initial failed attempt, it does work. He gets his powers back. And, uh, you know, one of the first things they do, and we see this echoed in the Flash movie, is, hey, we got to try to find everybody else. Right? We got to find the rest right. of our, our allies. And... You know, we find out that Hal Jordan never got the ring, right? Abin Sur is, is the Green Lantern Abin of Sur Earth, guy, and yeah. Hal Jordan is just this, this fighter pilot, and, and, and on and on. And of course, the backdrop of all of this, like we said, is this this brutal war between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Uh, I didn't read their standalone story miniseries, but I, I guess that they're so good because uh, it talks about like the wedding, the marrying of the two. Like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it for the betterment of humanity. And then, you know, the twist with Orm and stuff like at the end, like if you don't read those two, a lot of the weight and a lot of the gravita of it kind of goes away because it's just like, damn, it's a double betrayal. Like, that's crazy. And you guys just sat here and watched it happen. Um, so if you didn't read it, like that's that, that's fine. But I'm telling you right now, it does. It's kind of like you watch the third part of a trilogy and you're into the characters. But when you read like read or watch the first two, now you're more invested. You will get more invested if you read their standalones. Yeah. Gotcha. Again, I, I really I don't mean to keep going back to the movie, but there too, it's like you have a great on screen Aquaman and Wonder Woman. And I feel like they could have done something where you don't even need them in the whole movie. You just have them in a couple no. of scenes and you have the battles in the background. And I think that would have gone. Just a have Mera's head getting chopped off by Gal Gadot. Like just do, do, give me something. Give me a nod. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't just call it that because it's not that. You're just trying to capitalize on the name with very, very small nods. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, dude, that part, which by the way, that part was awesome because did they talk about how they're sisters and warriors or whatever and Diana just chops her, like, yo, miss, and then wears her helmet. Like, I'm like, you're a pimp. Like, she's like, no, and I'm going to wear it and I'm going to wear it when I fight him. And it was like, oh, that's why she's got that helmet. Like, it, it's, it's, it's good. Dude, I love Diana when she's like that. I love it. As a matter of fact, I put up that one picture that the artist made of Diana, the way she should look. And she's like taller and wider than Batman. And she's kind of like kissing him on the top of the head. That's, you know, she's an Amazon. She's big. She's strong. That's what she should look like. Just like the new Frontier version. Yeah. Oh, um, asking you, because I like, you know, obviously the Knights of Vengeance resonated with both of us. Me more, well, me more so in the fact that there's, you know, I made custom stuff to match it up. Did you enjoy it? Because you read yeah. Knights of Vengeance. When you read Flashpoint Beyond, specifically, you know, the Thomas and Martha of it all, did you like it? Or you're like, this was really unnecessary. Like, this didn't need the happy ending. Like, you go first oh. and then I'll. Oh, I'll. 
Well, I want to. Well, let's 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 circle back to that because I, I do. Okay. Yeah, I really want to get into that and that the ending for now, as it were. Yeah. But I bet as far as Night Night of Vengeance in particular, no, I really liked it. And I'm glad I read it. It definitely enhanced my appreciation for Flashpoint Beyond because you get right. all of the backstory with Thomas and Martha, and you laid out mm-hmm. a lot of that earlier with her, uh, you know, disfiguring herself oh, and and all of that. So, uh, no, I'm so glad that I read it, but. Again, so Bruce and, and Barry are looking for their friends. And so this brings us to the Superman of it all. So in this Flashpoint world, uh, Superman's rocket crash landed in Metropolis and caused mm-hmm. tens of thousands of deaths. And mm-hmm. rather than being raised by the Kents or any other kindly couple, Subject One, as he's as he's designated, uh, becomes property of the government. It's the... Yeah. Immediately put into capture. It's the it's the version of the story that the Kents always warn about and try to guard against, right? You have to keep mm-hmm. your abilities going back to small, but you gotta keep your abilities secret, right? Yeah. Because the That's why I liked it. It was like away, perfect, yeah. Right. So this kind of shows you, okay, if he's not found by the Kents, what happens? And so he's raised in this government facility under a red under red uh you know, red sun lamps. Uh sun so lamps, his, yeah. So his powers don't develop, his body doesn't develop, and just his his character, his, 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 uh, you know, social abilities, everything is, is stunted there. And Batman and flash enlist the help of cyborg. And the trade is will help with this war against Bruce and, uh, not Bruce, uh, Arthur and Diana in exchange for cyborg. We need this guy. Yeah. Yeah. We need this guy. Like this is the guy, just like we saw in the flash movie, right? It's like Clark will know what to do. Clark's the only one. He's the most powerful being on the planet. And so, yeah, he's just this frail skittish, alien subject who the first chance he gets at flashpoint books it he's just out of yeah. there. <laughs> I, I love that part uh it's amazing now look ultimately in the end he will come back uh, yes at, at, the, yes, at the climax and he will intervene and i forget exactly what he he, he attacks one of them right Flat, or aquaman yeah. or diana yeah i know it's one of them but i got so caught up in the side stuff I know how it ended with the sword and the stabbing and stuff like that. And I know ultimately what like the final panels look like, but I forgot who he attacked. He, he I, I think he was attacking people on both sides, but I think it's because someone attacked him first. Yeah. It's probably the Amazons to be honest with you. Cause he's a floating guy with superpowers. And if for, and I know you, you read and reread uh, that the, this flashpoint Superman miniseries gives us more of the backstory. And there was this other, yeah. there was a soldier who underwent this procedure to become uh, yep. this, this superhuman, uh, you know, asset for the government and then went crazy. And there, there's a lot of back and forth and, and Kal-El had this meeting with Lois Lane, but she ultimately died in front of him. The other, the other piece of this, I guess the one, the one bit of value that I got from the, the Superman miniseries was that Sam Lane of all people, uh, he's been depicted different ways, uh, you know, across time and media, but here, this was actually kind of a kinder, gentler Sam Wayne, Sam Wayne, yeah. Sam Lane. Um, yeah. And he was really the only one who showed Kal-El some kindness and actually saw him as a son, not, yeah. not just a subject. So I don't, you know, actually, I, I'm curious to get did, your take on this. No, go ahead. Did you, well, actually, because what you just said led me, did you read the Booster Gold mini? Mm-mm. So you don't know about the doomsday of it all? So, oh, that was one of the other ha- alien subjects where they, that they yeah, got, yeah, where yeah. they have Doomsday because Booster Gold shows up in I don't know Coast City or something, and they think he's an Atlantean because he's dressed weird, right? But it turns out that they have Doomsday 
but he's got this like mind probe thing. Who, who's got it on lane? I don't, I don't know. Like someone from the comics has, uh, uh, has it on and they unleash doomsday on booster gold. Now booster gold has knowledge that this is not his world. Right. And he's like, he's like, you know, where is everybody? I got to find this person. I got to find that person. They unleash doomsday and he goes into this like home. He's like, I can't do this alone. He's like, this guy almost killed me the first time, but it's a subdued doomsday because he can only do what the person controlling him with his mind do. Then they eventually lose control and he starts to become doomsday again. Then they get it back. I thought that was really cool. Like I thought booster gold, not knowing what the hell was going on for like three issues. Like I like that. But at that point, it's just like, he's not an Atlantean. Ask him like they opened up um, uh, um, um, like a channel to him. Just be like, hey, man, are you with them? And I know they probably thought he was lying or whatever, but I really like that because it was it was a different Doomsday, but still carried the same weight that Doomsday had. I really, especially for the reader. I thought that was really cool. That's cool. I will have to check that out. I mean, I knew that Doomsday played a role because Doomsday's DNA was the basis for the super soldier's powers, and that's how he was able yes. to continually adapt. So that was neat. But I guess looking at Superman's arc, from Flashpoint, again, he he escapes and runs away, but then he ultimately intervenes in the end. Not, yeah. you know, a man of very few words here. But then we cut ahead to Flashpoint Beyond, right, where this Flashpoint world is still in existence. The war is still raging. And we find Superman is still operating. He intervenes when Thomas Wayne is about to kill uh, the, you know, a, a, a mugger that he, uh, that he was beating yeah. the crap out of. Uh, and Superman shows up, and he's he's wearing a cape now, but still doesn't look like the Superman yes, we know. Yeah, still pretty like emaciated and stuff like that. Like he doesn't look like he looks he looks like dead man wearing a cape. Yeah, I mean, it's like very like, not much yet. It's interesting because I would be curious not to get nerdy about this. What sort of power level he's operating at? Because he seems he seems to be physically capable, but he doesn't have the physicality that we typically associate with Superman. Okay, but I I see it as Sometimes the best thing a boxer can do is break his hand because then he can punch the whole time and he doesn't feel it and it hits harder because he can't gauge how hard it is. I think the S1 version of Superman is stronger only because he doesn't have the same restriction mentally. Like he doesn't need to be big. His power didn't come from that anyway. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right? So the fact that like he's like you can't reason with him really doesn't say much. So the fact that he's swinging essentially a broken hand at everybody without the, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Mon Pa taught me this and they taught me restraint and blah, blah, blah. He didn't have any of that. So I think he's way more dangerous, way more dangerous. Not like a, you know, a Homelander style, but he's way more dangerous in the fact that he's like, no one's tried to regulate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I, mean, I guess it's just interesting. Like, I get him being frail at the outset. He's been under these sun lamps. But now, by the time of Flashpoint Beyond, presumably, he's out. He's soaking up the yellow rays. And it's not like yeah. Superman in the mainline universe is working out, right? He's just physically yeah. developed in any event. I mean, I guess a, just from doing point. what he's doing, if you want to talk <clears throat> physiologically, he's going to have some sort of muscle mass. Like, if he's picking up buildings, it's like doing one big set. So yeah, I imagine, but like, we don't know if this other dude is necessarily doing all that stuff. So Right. And so we don't get, we don't get a ton of backstory, but we get a fair amount, certainly yep. more in Flashpoint Beyond where we find out again, he's, he's operating, he intervenes, he stops Thomas Wayne, he's wearing the cape. He's also aligned himself with Poison Ivy and Swamp Thing. And they've, they've developed this, this uh, rare oasis on earth while this war yep. is decimating most of the planet, but this green oasis 
And this is sort of their command center as they are bracing for a Kryptonian invasion. So in this reality, Krypton wasn't destroyed. It was on the verge of destruction. And Kal-El and all of these other children in ships were sent out to Earth as kind of the advance Mm -hmm. party. Uh, And now Jor-El and the others are coming. And it's sort of like, even to Kal-El, it's like, you get in line or we're taking you out too. Right. It's very, it's very dark night master race. Yeah. Where the Kryptonians or they all show up and they're like, no, 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 we're going to take over. This is what we do. So it's kind of like in the same vein of that, which is always petrifying. One Superman is, 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 is bad enough and he's a good guy, right? Imagine if the whole world that worship like Roz, this God or like that's just, or Rao or whatever, like that's just, it's a petrifying thought, especially because when most stories about Superman are written in an Elseworlds fashion, he's evil, right? He's evil or he's raised in Russia or whatever it is. He still kind of retains that, you know, truth, justice thing. But the people from Krypton might not. And now you got to deal with a whole bunch of Zods, basically. Some Zods, some not Zods, but that, but like they'll destroy the planet just from fighting. Yeah. And, you know, we don't get to see the battle play out. The story ends before yeah. that point. But again, this subject one, Superman has committed himself to stopping the invasion of, of his people by his people. And I guess I'm trying to decide whether or not that totally tracks for me in this version of the character. Yeah. And I, you know, the, one of the other times we, we were on the show, we did uh, red sun and a couple of yeah. other Elseworld stories. And I enjoy that episode a lot when we, when we talked about all that stuff, because I think one of the things that clarified for me was the, the value or the appeal of these kinds of stories when he's raised by someone other than the Kents. Cause I, other you know, my, people in the Kents, my yeah. gut reaction is like, well, of course he's going to be different. He's Superman because of who he is. But right. one of the things that I think I, I realized over the course of our chat was like, Hey, the whole nature virtue, nur- he's always nature gonna go versus yep. nurture. So it's like when you strip away the Kents, the value of these kinds of quote unquote elseworld stories is that it can reveal, okay, what is his true nature? If you've taken right. the nurture away, what's left? What, what is he? And, and so, it's always a protector. Dude, he was, he was raised on apocalypse and he falls in love with humans in like atto seconds. And he's like, we're going to protect you. That's why like, I love that. It always goes back to that. Love it always goes back to that. Cause that to me is more than I got this. Like my, and we talked about this. My personality is, is amplified by Mon Pa, but I've always been this genuine fighter for everybody forever. Like, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of knowledge from them, but deep down inside, he's always going to be the good guy. Yeah, which I guess, I mean, ultimately, I, I, I don't dispute that. I think, yes, there is that that good core there. And, yeah. I, and I guess, too, even though it wasn't the Kents, there was nurture in the form of Sam Lee, mm-hmm. and there was someone who showed him kindness. So it's not, yes. I'm not saying like, oh, it makes no sense that he would he would go down this road, but... I, I, I don't know. I, I still don't know based on what we're shown that I would totally buy this, especially, especially given the way he was raised. I mean, Sam Lane aside, he was this lab rat. And so the notion yeah. that his people now are coming for him, I, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's Why more to explore. Them? Yeah. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I feel like, yep. I, I don't know that we got all the way there, but, uh, I think, I think what we just talked about, I think that wasn't forced in those other stories that we did. I feel like it was forced in this one. Because you were basically manhandled and left prisoner and left weak by these people, right? You didn't just run into them. You knew it was them. When you find out all your people are coming, you're like, 
that now we're talking. It seems like this one was a little forced where it's like, okay, I could get it because it's Superman, but still that was a, that was a, uh, I think that one was a reach kind of running back to, to flashpoint itself. Uh, it, you know, eventually, like we said, we have a uh, reverse flash reveals himself. And, and again, Barry and the audience think, okay, now he's going to talk about how he set all of this in motion. And the end of issue four is, is Eobard saying, look what you've done, Barry. <laughs> and it's a great cliffhanger. And then we get this explanation of like, Hey, like for all this stuff I've done to you, this wasn't me. This was it's you. Still not me. Yep. You went back yep. in time. You stopped me from murdering your mother. And you were like a bullet through a windshield in terms yeah. of your effect on the timeline. I, I will say this because this came up in the flash movie. Um, the flashpoint itself, I don't think does a good job of explaining how Barry's Barry's actions affected events even before his mother's death. Flashpoint Beyond gets a little bit more specific, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly, where they do talk about, essentially, it's a version of what Michael Keaton gives us with the bowl of spaghetti and the mm. fulcrum point and, and and all of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the I, again, I think it loses its effect a little bit now because we know it. And, and even so much so that the adaptations that have followed don't make it a twist, right? Like in the Flash yeah. TV show at the end of season two, he's like, I got to go save my mom, right? Like he saved yeah. the day, he's kissed Iris, like everything's great. And he's like, I can't let this stand. I have to go back and save her. Yeah. Flash movie, same thing. He has that whole conversation with Bruce and then he goes and he does it. Uh, but I, I think it's it's a great reveal and it's, I feel like it's, um, you don't often get to see the hero of the story make that big of a mistake, right? Yeah. But you, you understand where he's coming from. And it's, it's funny too, because he wanted a better world, right? A world where his mother is alive and yeah. look what he wrought. And when we At go, the risk of, yeah, right, right, right. And, and when we go back to these other crisis level events, look, when we go back to the original crisis and anti-monitor just wants, wants to take over or, you know, annihilate right. everything. But when you get to crisis and time with Hal Jordan parallax, right, he wants to fix everything. He wants to make everything yep. better and rewrite history. Uh, when you get to infinite crisis and Alexander Luther and Superboy prime and earth Two Superman, right. They want to bring back a better earth. That's more positive and more optimistic yep. and more hopeful. Uh, final crisis, dark side just wants, you know, evil, but, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, the, yeah, but this whole shocking. idea, especially in infinite crisis and zero hour, you can see some parallels with Barry Allen and this idea, uh, you know, again, he doesn't realize what he's doing, but still this whole idea of like, I have to fix everything. I have to make it better. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that. But like, but like in his, his, uh, you gotta understand you're swinging a zero, right? Every time you try and make something better, it has been proven that you continuously mess it up. So don't do it anymore, right? Like stop. Like it's like, you know, it's kind of like your friend. It's like, oh, I can fix that. And you know, every time he wants to fix something, he breaks it and you go, no, 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 no. you know what? I got it. Or like if, if someone comes over to help you move and he ain't strong and he wants to carry down something really expensive, you're like, you know what? Why don't you take this box full of fluff and blankets and let me get the other thing? I feel like that. I don't know, man, at some point, like, don't you just go, all right, you know what? I'm not going to do this because this is a really bad idea. Yeah. But has, I mean, you're talking about Barry specifically. I mean, he hasn't yeah. done it before as far as yeah, we but know. It just seems like you don't need a lot of it to know that when you do it, there's always a risk, right? So it's not actions that have been done, but he's always like, you know, if I just like, dude, it didn't work out. 
monumentally the time that you did it. So can we stop doing it? So I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like the one trick pony thing that keeps getting me trouble. <laughs> keeps getting me trouble. I mean, it definitely feels like he should have known better, um, especially yeah. because again, it had been established only Thawne has the ability to change time. Now, yeah. what I will say in Barry's defense, as if he's a real person and I'm his attorney, <laughs> what I feel like one of the things that sets this apart is it's not it's not just that Barry's mother was murdered and he wants to go back in time and stop it. She was murdered through the time travel machinations of Reverse Flash. So time yeah. was altered. It just happened to be altered by someone who's quote unquote allowed to alter it without time. Allowed to back. do it, yeah. So I feel like, again, that that adds a component to it as well. The, oh, one other piece of background that I totally forgotten, and it's not major, and I don't know that it even really gets mentioned at, at any point really, but in The Dastardly Death of the Rogues, that's the first arc of the ongoing series that followed Flash Rebirth by Jeff Johns and yep. Francis Manipal. Uh, again, long story short, I'll keep it brief, but there's this, uh, glass, this piece of glass, um, that was created by the original mirror master. And it's like, in yeah. case of a flash ever returns, break glass yeah. and yeah. the rogues aren't sure exactly what it's going to do, but when it is broken and there's, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, Barry's told misleading things about what it will actually do. Um, but what the current mirror master reveals at the end of the story is that the, the, the energy within the, the glass or whatever, it sort of plants a, a seed within the flash in this case and preys on his, on his doubts and his fears. And it just kind of plants that seed and it'll grow. So it's sort of like this long form, emotional, psychological <laughs> torture. And there's yeah. never much more that's really explicitly said, but that's the end of, of the first arc. And then we only get one more short arc before flashpoint. But in that short arc, you do see Barry dwelling a bit more on his mother's passing and then it comes upon her birthday and that's when he goes to the grave. And so, right. you know, there's that, too, I guess, to maybe mitigate Barry's culpability slightly, <laughs> this yeah. idea that he was not, not to the level of how Jordan would parallax, but that there was this at least subliminal piece that was, that was pushing him and maybe was, was making this come up more. So, yeah. Um, so real quick, just to talk about, um, the Martha and Thomas of Flashpoint Beyond, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to like it because it's Thomas and Martha. Then she comes back and there's very PG versions of them fighting when you put it up against the original Knights of Vengeance, right? Then, spoiler alert, they lock her in like a... um, 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 a Hannibal Lecter style thing. And it's happily ever after with Harvey Dent's kid. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, I, I didn't need that. You know what I'm saying? Like it took the brutality and the misery from the first one and tries to give it a redemption arc when it didn't need one. Was I happy to see Martha in print again by a different artist and stuff? Oh my God. Yeah. I was super excited. It was like the reunion that I never knew that I wanted, but I wanted to see more of her. Like if there was a whole mini series just about her time in that time in Gotham, I'd read it. Dude, I'd subscribe to that. But I didn't need the, the American Gothic kind of like Rockwellian thing with like him and the kid walking away. And she's like, my boys, like I didn't, I didn't need that, man. It just seemed like it took all the, all the sauce and like all the energy right out of that original run. Right. Like, doesn't it seem like it, it, 
it, it was like, we're going to do this and everyone's going to live happily ever after. That's not the way the story, from the way I read it, that's not how it was supposed to go. Like it was supposed to be misery. She doesn't need to be alive again. Most certainly she's like the dude in the chair now. Like, like, like she gets the Hannibal Lecter treatment and that's how it ends. She's like, bye guys. Like what, why? Like, why was that even necessary? I don't know. That's just my complaint. Yeah, no, it did feel like a stretch. So at the end of Flashpoint, Barry, right, makes his sacrifice. He's going to reset the timeline, even though it means he's going to lose his mother. And it's, a, it's very emotionally resonant. Um, yes. As he is, he, he so he stops himself from stopping Thawne. Uh, and then as he's returning to the present, we get our first appearance of Pandora. Remember that that character? Yep. Uh, who talks about the, and the Trinity? Yeah, yeah. The history of heroes had been splintered into three, and they must come together. So you see the Wildstorm, Vertigo, and DC universes merging, yep. and uh, and that gives rise to the New Fifty Two. And of course, as we will learn first in the DC Rebirth special, and then more fully in Doomsday Clock, which we have a whole episode coming up on. Doctor Manhattan had his hands in things, and he was mm-hmm. manipulating the timeline and changing events uh, in the DC universe. So. Again, coming out of Flashpoint at the time, it was just kind of like, oh, hey, Barry just screwed everything up. He didn't fix the timeline yeah. the way he thought. Now we know there was another agent at play here. But that seemingly is the end of the Flashpoint world until we get to the button. And again, presumably right. through Dr. Manhattan, kept it kept it alive briefly. Yeah. And and you know th- th- we had this interaction. And then it's gone again. Of course, like we said, Thomas Wayne will cross over and he'll be in the top yeah, of the Batman. Yeah. Right? But then we get to Flashpoint Beyond. So there was a zero issue and then a six issue miniseries. And it was written by the trio of Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams, and drawn by, and I might be butchering the names, but Zermanico? Zermanico. Zermanico. And Mikhail Janin? Mikhail Janin? I don't know if I'm I'm probably probably butchering. Two that I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But but, but like, ironically enough, just just real quick, one of my favorite DC cover artists, they have some of the most killed, dude, they got a murderer's row of comic artists for covers. There's one that I'm going to butcher her name too. She's gorgeous too. I didn't know this. Zojo Micah. It's like a one name. Her covers. It's like something out of like a graffiti slash cyber. It's so good. It's so good. But again, names. I'm just like, unless I hear someone say it, I'm going to screw it up. So I'm going to do my best version of whatever I think that is. So yeah, believe me, I understand. Uh, Totally. So in, in our reality, we have Batman stealing this snow globe and watch that snow are globe. imbued yep. with Dr. Manhattan's energy from, from the lab of the Time Masters. And it, it takes the course of the miniseries. Most of the pages of Flashpoint Beyond are devoted to the world of Flashpoint and Thomas Wayne's story. But in yeah. each issue, we get a couple of pages or sometimes more by the end of Bruce Wayne and our reality uh, being chased down by Rip Hunter and taken to yeah. task for, for what he took. Because what he took, the snow globe and the watch allowed him to <laughs> like catch and capture and preserve the Flashpoint timeline mm-hmm. within this snow globe. And everything's breaking apart because Thomas Wayne within this reality, this preserved timeline, is uh, is fighting back, right? He's trying to stop mm-hmm. it. He's trying to yeah. basically redo what he had done with Barry uh, in the first Flashpoint. Um, and by the end of it, Thomas Wayne comes to accept his his reality and that right. stabilizes the globe and and the time masters allow Bruce to keep it. There's also some setup at the end for the Jeff Johns uh, New Golden Age and Justice Society series. There are the mm. 13 characters who had been removed from the timeline and placed yeah. these capsules 
uh, but then they're sent back into the timeline and history is reforming around them. So there's yeah. more on that. That's yeah. Jeff Johns is still playing. I'm with. digging that run too. The Justice Society run is actually really good with oh, like nice. led by the Huntress and stuff like that. It's 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 good. Cool. It's good. It's a good read. So I guess. And yeah. By the way, the wild storm of it all. You know who the new Birds of Prey group is, right? Mostly. Dude, get this lineup. Harley, of course, right? Big Barda, Zealot. Um, dude, I was just like, just those three alone. I'm like, I'm reading this story. And the dude who's doing the art for it, I, I opened it because Sean showed it to me. The dude has has hues from Darwin Cook, like that very, you know, original, like not a lot of shading, like very like flat. Dude, it's really good. It's But that's a team, like I'm stoked to see, man. Like that team is crazy. Like just those personalities together are going to be awesome. I'm sorry. That was a whole side. No, no, I am looking forward to, to reading that. So I guess overall, I really enjoyed Flashpoint Beyond. It, it, mm-hmm. I thought it was very compelling. It held my interest. It was an intriguing mystery in the world of Flashpoint. A, how is Flashpoint even still around? Um, and uh, Thomas Wayne is uh, tracking this clockwork killer who has been mm-hmm. murdering potential time travelers and f- removing their organs and replacing them with clock parts. With clock parts, yeah. Right, so there's that, and of course, war is still brewing between Aquaman and uh, and and Wonder Woman. We have this impending Kryptonian invasion. Thomas Wayne, in his mind, nothing matters because it's all going to be undone anyway. When he can find or create a time traveler and go back right. in time and fix everything, <laughs> just keep beating them and electrocuting them. That's all. Just start picking random people off the street. Yeah, and you have Heart Judge Harvey Dent is killed early on, mm-hmm. and. His wife, Gilda, is in Arkham. She's lost it because their child, who had been kidnapped by Martha Wayne in the Knights of Vengeance miniseries, allegedly took her own life. But we later find out Gilda was responsible for that. Um, So she's in Arkham. Judge Dent is killed. And so Dexter Dent, their son, ends up orphaned, essentially, and taken in at Wayne Manor and cared for in this reality, not by Alfred, but by Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. Which I actually like that. Like, when... When it was Oswald Cobblepot who plays like um, Thomas's first thing because he's got this giant casino, I like that. Me too. But also, I like the fear from it too. And he's such a good dude too. Like he's pretty much looking after the kid the whole time. Yeah. And he's like, dude, you can't do this to this child. He's like, you can't. Like, dude, he's got to live. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't subject him to this. And that's kind of what happens at the end. Like, they walk away presuming that it's going to be Batman and Robin, right, or some sort of version. And Martha is, you know, in a, in a cage. I just thought that was a weird way to, you know, put it to, cause especially cause they didn't do anything with it afterwards. Like show me that, like, I want to read that, but I want to read Martha Wayne as a bad guy or at least a nut job because when she set up Harvey Dent's daughter, if I'm remembering this correctly, to get shot by commissioner Gordon, when he walked in, I was like, holy shit. Like that was I was like, no way. Like, no way. And she was like, that's what you get. You shouldn't have shot first. And it was just like, man, like she's, she's brutal, dude. She's brutal. Yeah. You know, what we ultimately find out again, spoiler alert, is that Martha survived her apparent death in the mm-hmm. Night of Vengeance miniseries. And which again, didn't like that book. Uh, and I agree. And is this clockwork killer? She's been killing mm-hmm. potential time travelers. She's learned all of this from Psycho Pirate, a fellow uh, or she's or she's hiding in the walls of Arkham, and he's a he's an inmate at Arkham. Yeah, I did like that. That she was like the whisper in uh, 
Dent's wife's ear, right? Like that was her, like the whole time. I thought that was really cool. Right, because you think, so Gilda is insane and mm-hmm. she at a certain point bashes her face against the door and t- essentially turns herself into Two-Face. But yeah. she's hearing this voice that you assume is just her split personality, but it's actually Martha yeah. in the wall. <laughs> Um, so that was a neat bit of business. And then Psycho Pirate, in a nod to Dark Crisis, there's this talk about how he fled to this reality to, you know, kind of escape the Dark Crisis, right? And ended up yeah. in Arkham here. And and he fills Martha Wayne in on, on everything, right? And that's yeah. why she's going about taking out these time travelers. I guess, I mean, her motivations, it's, it's interesting. So she takes out the would-be time travelers, Matthew Ryder, for example, yeah. uh, of the Linear Men. And she creates the time sphere that the time masters use to, to travel through time. Uh, and her plan is to go back and save Bruce. So, yeah, I mean, interestingly, Thomas and Martha's goals, at least until the very end, are aligned. Are the same. Mm-hmm. They just have different avenues to get there. And that's where the complications come in. Right. right. So, like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's trying to find or create a time traveler to do this where she's killing all of the time travelers and building a time sphere. I feel like if Which they had just gotten like on the, the same perfect, page here. <laughs> I know, but it's the perfect dichotomy, right? Like she ruins stuff. He tries to create stuff. Um, but I like that. Like they're completely opposites, but they still have this love. Like even in, in nights of vengeance, like they have this kind of like killing joke pseudo embrace where like he's hugging her and like she's, but there's, there's like a violent struggle going on. Like that's what made it so touching. Cause at one point I'm, I, I think she starts crying and she's like, it is your fault. Like none of this would have happened if we didn't go down the one fucking place that you probably should go down in the first place. And it was just like, and then they just splintered man. Like from there on, like, I love that, that like, then she doesn't leave the house. She doesn't want to be bothered and he gets more upset and stuff like that. Like, oh my God, it was so good, dude. It was heart wrenching, but it was like true to life. And that was one of the points I was like, people always like to bring up the boys, right? This is what happens if superheroes were real. I think it's more the flashpoint world. I do. A lot of that stuff seems way more realistic. You got someone who runs 75% of the world, sick of people doing whatever they want with the ocean. You got Wonder Woman who's like, men are ruining everything. You have all these players in between. You have... Thomas Wayne, who's like, I'm shooting people until I feel like I'm good or I'm dead. His wife is a psychopath who's literally doing everything to kind of get in his way because she's mad at him. I don't think the boys are like, I think this is closer. I really do, especially because of how they're like, no, no one's going to stop me in this. I don't care who gets in the way. So I kind of like this more as enjoyable and not just, and look, look, I love the boy series. I read it when it was coming out, but it's, it's that without like, we're going to put sex on every panel too. And like the teenage kicks jerking each other off. Like, I think it's more, it's more this. Yeah. 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 No, I, no, again, I think the way that their Wayne's respond though extreme, it, it tracks in terms of the extreme trauma that they've gone through. So no, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, so again, as far as flashpoint beyond what, what this culminates in is, uh, you know, Martha's ready to use the time sphere to go back in time, but Dexter, uh, who's being held at gunpoint by, uh, or knife point by Gilda, who wants, who's Mm -hmm. planning to kill him, uh, is there and is basically saying, well, if you do this, 
when, when I die. And Bruce is like, well, it'll just be like, you didn't really exist at all. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he can't go through with it. And I think it's seeing, I, I'm assuming seeing some version of his son in this young boy, yeah. um, he ultimately can't go through with it and they save him. And then in our, in our wrap up here, like you were saying, we, we have Dexter now as the new Robin, Thomas Wayne has, decided to continue on and Martha though seemingly killed at Arkham survived and is in this, you know, glass prison in the bat cave, essentially offering moral support, looking at young Dexter and pointing out that his shoelace is untied. So it's like that maternal instinct is kicking back in and, and they're this very unorthodox um, crime fighting trio family of some sort. Uh, I, I guess like I said, overall, I enjoyed this. I had, I think, two issues, one from either end. So from Bruce's perspective, we find out the reason he was so convinced that the timeline would stabilize and Thomas Wayne would would want to live, right, is right. that we finally get the rest of the letter that Thomas Wayne yes. had written to Bruce in the original Flashpoint and gave to Barry to give to, to, to Bruce. And again, we had heard the first part before, but the second part was essentially like, I will try to be happy, right? I will, I will yeah. try to move on. And that's enough, that inspires enough confidence in Bruce that he goes through with this, I guess. I think maybe I'm being nitpicky because maybe I like what I just articulated, that's what the book tells us. And, and maybe that's enough to account for why Bruce is so adamant that no, I'm going to preserve this time. I have to keep on, yeah, yeah. Because, but I don't know, at the same time, as, as a, for, from Bruce's perspective, like, as a son and as a father himself, who has also lost Damien. He got him back, thankfully, but he's yeah. gone through that. It's like, I, I, I mean, I, I, I want to say, like, don't you know your father wouldn't want to live in that reality? But I guess my answer is he's he's been told by Thomas, I will try to be happy. But going yeah. back to the earlier part of our conversation, he doesn't always listen to what Thomas says. So, yeah. And it's just like, do you want the world where your parents are alive? One of them who who become seemingly more hinged while they both become seemingly more hinged. You want your dad running around as Batman and your mom, the memory that you have of your mother is like the caretaker and she sang you to sleep and like that. You want her locked in the cages of the Joker? Like that's what you want? Like you're okay with that. You want to preserve that because they're your parents, but you won't listen to what they say, which is don't be Batman anymore. So you're making now a conscious decision that you're okay with your mom who was who was responsible for the killing of a child and your dad who hates his life and his dad's like, I'll try to carry on. You are now putting that image of your mom and dad for as high as you held them now become like, like the anti-Batman as Batman and your mom is a psycho who lives in a glass case, you're going to preserve that instead of doing what they said, which is don't be Batman. That to me doesn't compute. I, I bumped up against that. I, I did. And the other thing from the flashpoint perspective was, and this kind of ties back to what I was saying with Superman. I don't know that Thomas and Martha's turnaround at the end totally tracks or is mm-hmm. earned. It doesn't. Especially it doesn't. because with, Bruce, but Bruce, with Thomas and Dexter Dent, the entire story, he's passing Dexter off to Oswald, right? He can't be bothered. Yeah. You know, the kid's telling can't Oswald, like, I want to learn how to shoot guns. And Oswald's like, okay. He's like, I want to learn about explosives. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's like a weird Alfred. Yes. And so Bruce really wants nothing to do with this kid 
uh, and then they have this moment at the end where he realizes that, okay, if I go through with this time travel business, it will undo this, this young child. And I don't, I don't know. And look again, I read it once, um, last night. It's not like I've been sitting with this flashpoint beyond for a long time, like, like with flashpoint. Uh, so again, I'd be curious to get other perspectives if people feel like, Hey, no, that totally tracked. I get why he made the choice that he did. It didn't. And the other, you know, so, here's the other thing too, going back to what we've been saying as parents, right. As fathers, it's like not, not to be callous towards young Dexter, but it's like, if, if I were Thomas Wayne, again, I'd be in that time bubble. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that would stop me and there's nothing that would sway me. Yeah. Um, which is weird, right? I don't want to ruin the timeline because it is kid. Okay. Meanwhile, in the flashpoint, you had no problem being like, everyone's going to die and that's what's best. So now the kid is the reason why you're like, no. So you're right. It doesn't track. I wanted to though, because I love those two. So I felt, uh, oh, isn't that nice at the end? And then when you kind of resonate on it for a little bit, I'm like, not everybody needs a redemption arc. Like they don't. Like they didn't need that, especially because you weren't going any with it anywhere with it afterwards. Like, and I think they do really well with a Batman Joker series featuring those two, not as like Martha as like basically Batgirl. Like that's what she is. You throw a computer in there, she becomes Batgirl um, or Oracle, right? But like, unless you plan on doing something with it, why did they need redemption? Like no one was asking for that. At least in my opinion, they weren't. So I, would you be, would you have been more on board with um, like a Batwoman-esque dynamic where you had Kate Kane and her twisted sister, Alice, and they're on opposite sides, something like that? Like that could have been cool. Yeah. What I honestly, again, love seeing Martha, but if, if Dent's wife went crazy and was hearing Martha Wayne's voice and Martha Wayne wasn't real, but because she was kind of struggling with the same stuff and that's what she was kind of like, um, the Joker and the new next generation Batman where like he lives in like this AI thing. I would have appreciated that more. I, I would appreciate that more. I don't think you need Martha to show up at all. I think that if she's going crazy already and because of her kid, she, you know, people like, you know, it, it's kind of like you split your personality and one of them becomes this Martha Wayne monster. I don't think she needed to be back. To me, that ruined it. Did I like seeing her? Yes. But was it necessary? No. No. I agree. I think it took away something from that original, you know, Night of Vengeance yeah. miniseries. Dude, it would cut the balls directly off it. And also, not, you know, not for anything, but <clears throat> I feel like DC never, never met a story that they felt a, like a crazy wife couldn't fix. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, going back to our earlier conversation about identity crisis and Gene Loring's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, villainous turn there and Martha Wayne, certainly in the original Flashpoint and then Gilda here. And of course, I know there's precedent for Gilda, uh, you know, going back to the long Halloween stories and all that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it feels like a bit of a trend here with the with the crazy yeah. DC wives. Got to watch out for them, I guess. Which I watched. Uh, I was watching this video of. Um, a black comedian. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you know what I'm concerned with? Gingers. He's like, is every ginger character when they reboot them becomes a black person. And then they went to like the Jimmy Olsen of it. And they went, I was like, oh my God. Like he pointed this out, dude. I was howling. I was laughing so hard. Cause I was like, yeah, man, the gingers, as soon as the gingers go away, like 
when Wally West, when you know, Wally with the red hair, they made Wallace West, right? In yeah. Little Black. So it was just like, yo, when he brought that up, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like the shifting from one to the other. Dude, I was, just, I, I was like, man, you thought about that shit because he named like four other people. They're not coming to mind right now. But I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like that actually did happen. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Kind of bringing us all full, full circle here. So yes. I mentioned before how Flashpoint wasn't designed to do this, right? It's this flash centric story, but the original intention as we're, as we're told at least was that, you know, a timeline would be fixed and then they decided to use it as this launching pad. And again, we've talked about the new 52, all all I'll kind of say, and I know I've, I'm sure I've said this before, but the frustration that I had with it, because, you know, coming out of each of these events, we, we usually get some level of continuity change, sometimes major, sometimes more subtle. But uh, what was frustrating about the New 52 and the people who participated in that oral history all corroborated this. They all, you know, they, they all confirmed that there was a lot of ambiguity behind the scenes. There was not this master plan as to what right. was in or out of continuity. And there were certain titles like Scott Snyder's Batman or Jeff John's Green Lantern stuff, stuff that was yeah. doing well was basically allowed to continue. And then other characters like Superman underwent these vast changes. Was it, where yeah. The marriage yeah. was undone and the Kents were, were, were not no longer alive and, and all of this. And the creators talked about how there were characters who they were planning to use and, you know, the, the ball was rolling. And then all of a sudden they were told by another editorial group, oh, like that person's not in continuity anymore or things to that right. effect. And it was, I guess... It was frustrating, but also, I suppose, a form of relief hearing that from the creators because that's always what it felt like at the time. Right. Like, I remember all of us having it these was conversations the at the comic the yeah. yeah, It was Gunverse before Gun. These people can stay. The rest of this stuff has to go. Yeah. And With confusion. Exactly. And it's funny because one of our listeners, shout out to, to Glenn Clark at uh, Seeking Superman on, on social media, but he asked recently on Twitter, he was like, he actually posed the question to Paul Kaminsky, the current editor of the super titles, uh, who is a friend, but he, I don't think, I don't think Paul responded, but Glenn was essentially saying like, what is currently, like, what is Superman's from DC's perspective, the definitive Superman origin story? Is it Man of Steel? Is it oh, Birthright? Okay. Is it Secret Origin? Yep. And I think he also tagged the current Superman writers. To my knowledge, I don't think he got any any official response. Yeah, probably not. And I think this this points to a, you know a little bit of an issue here, where uh, I feel like New Fifty Two is definitely this this tipping point, and I feel like we have been in a little bit of a gray zone going from New Fifty Two to Rebirth to this current period that we're in now. Where uh, you know, to answer Glenn's question, if I had to pin something down, I would say Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's secret origin going back to right. the, the post infinite crisis story, because and that was the story at least up until new 52 and right. then things were changed, but doomsday clock, which we'll get to, you know, reinstated Clark's past as Superboy, which had been reestablished <laughs> in secret origin. Yeah. And that seemed to have this domino effect. So Again, I feel like if you cornered someone from DC at a convention, don't do this. But if you did and you were like, what's the origin? I feel like that's what they would say. I think I think the beauty of it is because so many writers have touched these characters. Some we like more than others. Some were like, that was a catastrophe. Um, I think it lives within whichever one you want it to be. And I think that's what makes it really cool. Even if DC came out and they're like, it's this one where he was raised by plants or whatever it was. Like, it doesn't have to be like that to you. It could be whatever you want it to be. Like, if we wanted to, we could take all the versions of Superman and cut them all together 
and make whatever version we want. And that's the beauty of having these conversations with people. Because other people, I like this one. Well, I like this one. Well, why? Right? And you can have these conversations. I don't, if they said when they redid everything and they're like, um, I remember when it was New 52 or Rebirth, it was one of them, where it was like Green Lantern's first appearance, they changed to like 2012. It, it was like, no, nah, we're clean swiping everything. But you don't have to believe that. Like, you could just be like, no, like, I don't want to do that. And that's, and, and, you know, and you're well within your right to do it. Plus speaking of which, did you read the end of the newest action? No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that far behind, but no, I'm not that current. Okay. Spoiler alert, but not really more for, for me and you, our boys are about to be back at it again because, um, Lobo's, so Zarnia didn't die. Brainiac has it a la Candor in a bottle. So they got Lobo hooked up to something and they kind of like peek in and it's cool. Cause like all the facial mocos, cause it's not, it's not a mustache. It was never supposed to be. Each one of the Zarnians has these different marks, which is why infanticide, when he fights all his kids, they have them all over the place. So I'm like, Oh man, like they're going to bring them together again. Hopefully like that wasn't just like a little, you know, post panel thing, but at some point they're all just going to go, you know, ape shit on each other, which I kind of want because that last Superman versus Lobo book really left a bad taste in my mouth. No, I know. I know you were not a fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess all, all of this is to say, especially looking at Flashpoint in the context of these crisis events, I do feel, and I said this when we, we did Crisis, and I will reinstate it now. I, it's like w- w- when DC has these opportunities for truly a clean slate and a fresh start and a ground-up rebuilding they never take it. They never fully commit. It's always this patchwork piecemeal approach because we talked about this with Crisis on Infinite Earths. I think for myself, my memory was always like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, this was the big the big restart at the end of it. And it yep. wasn't. It's like Crisis did away with the multiverse, consolidated everything. But then all of those those stories that we we look up as, you know, we look to as such classics like Man of Steel and Batman Year One and the, the George Perez on Wonder Woman, all yep. that stuff like that came months later here and there. It wasn't mm-hmm. this you know, full scale thing. And so you ended up with continuity glitches. I mean, right off the yeah. bat in post-crisis, yep. you stripped the Superboy portion of Clark's journey away. So that had a catastrophic effect on the Legion yeah. of superheroes. And we had, there's actually a story called greatest hero of them all. We're going to get to that next year. We'll talk about that. And that's just one example. So right. it, it's frustrating that DC was put in a similar, put themselves in a similar position in coming out yeah. of the new 52. And they even went so far as to start with all new number one. So it's like from a publishing yeah. perspective, they were right where they needed to be. Yeah. And I think if they had just said, Hey, we're starting fresh, just like, you know, justice league, the justice league book was them, you know, very early well, on. finding each other. Yeah. yeah. Or like green lantern was chasing down Batman and stuff like that. Yeah. But right off the bat, um, they had that and they had action comics taking place, you know, five years earlier. And then you had yeah. the rest of the books in the quote unquote present and things weren't lining up. And again, there just seemed to be a lot of confusion because there was behind the scenes. And so I just, the new 52, again, we've talked about it and it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I know people have their favorites. I do too. And, and uh, it was an interesting mm-hmm. time to say the least, but yeah, I mean, I think it could have been more successful. We could have still been in the new 52, yeah. I think, if yeah. if it had, they had fully committed to it. But you're right. There was definitely some confusion. You brought up a great point that I completely forgot about until you brought it up. At one point, they're like, none of that stuff ever exists. We're starting all over again. And then we realized that wasn't working. They started to reference stuff that technically didn't happen. And then they referenced more stuff that didn't happen. And it was just like, all right, so you tried something. And like you said, we could have still been in it. 
but there was no commitment. It was just kind of like, nope, we got to go back to what we know is safe. Because at one point, I think one of the articles was like, crisis didn't happen. Like that happened over here. And then like 10 issues in, they reference it. And I was like, oh, so I guess you're not like, if you're going to go all in, go all in. It's kind of like we're talking about with gun, right? You want to clean swipe everything, do it all. Don't bring back certain people. Don't bring back certain people as other people. Just, you know, like put, put your balls on the line and see what happens. Because what's the worst that can happen? A bunch of people come in and write it back over. But like they didn't stick with it long enough. It, it, it was like four issues in. They started mentioning stuff that technically never happened, or at least they said didn't happen. And it was like, all right, so you had no plans to do this at all. Uh, yeah. Look, like I've said before, if they had just made this a separate imprint a la Ultimate, I think they could have solved a lot of problems and just done that yeah. fresh start. And then in success, if this thing really blew up, eventually it could just overtake the main line. But look, it's easy to... It's easy to look back and say they should have done this. It, it, yeah. it is what it is. But of course, uh, in, in any event, kind of in terms of where we are now, it definitely seems like there is some level of intent from DC to continue it's, telling it's stories hot, with the Flashpoint characters. Uh, it's, I'm telling you that new writers, the new runs, I'm more into DC books than I am into Marvel stuff. The stories are so good. Dude, that Ram V cat, he could write his ass off. Like he's almost poetically prose. He's great, man. I'm telling you, a bunch of that stuff is really good. Even the stuff you don't expect to be good. You're just like, God damn, like that's really good. Um, yeah, but I like the direction that everything's going in now. I thought, I thought, I thought Night Terrors was a giant hit, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. And now they have all this like new number ones and like all this other stuff. Like, that's fine because like at this point, I don't care. But now it just seems like they're really putting strong backing behind um. And like new ideas, well, newer ideas behind like a lot of the teams and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm digging where it's going. By the way, totally side question. Is it just fate that is giving you the kingdom come Superman gray on the side? Or are you doing something? Like I got to know because you're such a Superman dude. I'm assuming that all this you made happen, but because you're such a Superman dude, I think it's just happening to you and it couldn't happen to a better person. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm manifesting it or it's just the, <laughs> the ravages of time and it looks great, the, the pandemic it looks and awesome. fatherhood and all that stuff. We'll see. But, uh, as far as, but yeah, no, it definitely seems like DC has some good momentum going and I'm happy for that. And again, I know we've talked about the divine continuum and everything. And there's a big part of me that's like, okay, I feel like this is a little silly and it's a little bit much. Yeah. And who is this really serving here? But at the same time, when we talked about zero hour and hyper time, I talked about how I really love the concept of hyper time. And I thought it was a real mm. neat, clean way to just sort of account for all of these various timelines and versions of characters. Um, if nothing else, I guess I do appreciate that the concept and the term have been brought back right? It's right. the representation of this entire side of the divine continuum, right? So we have time and we have space and we have the omniverse and we have hyper time. And also, I don't, I don't know that this was even necessarily, oh, this was at least alluded to, if not explicitly said um, by, you know, Dr. Baxter on the news program with Mr. Terrific, yeah. that essentially we have categories of crises. We have the multi or the omniverse crises, uh, where we're dealing with multiverse expanding or contracting, and yeah. we have these hyper time crises like zero hour and like flashpoint. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, I don't know the idea that they're being classified in that way. Yeah, they're trying know, to categorize them. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, like look. I think it's cool because it seems like they're trying to take it out of a mishmash of shit, uh, which is great. Um, but again, it's a it's like you said, it's like it's a lot to be like, all right, all right, I guess so. But in real life, but. 
in reality, it's not going to really change the way that we enjoy the books anyway. Like we might like gripe about stuff, but ultimately it's not going to stop me from reading it. Even if I think the idea is stupid or not, I'm still going to keep reading because it's, you know, ultimately it's the stories that you enjoy anyway. Last two things about Flashpoint, and then we'll sign off here. The original Flashpoint at the end of the story, yes. again, Barry brings this letter to Bruce in the Batcave and it's a, it's a beautiful moment and probably God, Bruce it even really tears is. up and it's like yep. it's a converse, a conversation, so to speak, but hearing from his father that I love. The one thing though, tell me if this made sense for you, the notion that Bruce would sort of give Barry a pass because Barry's like, I changed time. Like all these mm -hmm. people died. And Bruce is basically says to him, you know, I understand it's okay. I've thought yeah. about time travel too. I mean, on the one hand, yes, of course, Bruce can identify. And actually with, with the button, you know, one of the things that I really did enjoy with that was showing how Bruce and Barry were really on the same wavelength and yeah, talking forensics yeah. and talking investigation. I thought that was cool. And like literally grabbing onto his back so he can like ride the wave on like the, 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 the treadmill. I thought that was really cool too. It made him like a sidekick in a weird way. Yeah. But did you feel Bruce was too forgiving or were you like, no, I yeah. understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I think depends on what writer you like. Right. Because again, he gave him a pass for screwing up all that stuff, but he's mad now at Catwoman and his entire Bat family because crime is going down. Like, where are your priorities, dude? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got that pet. Why? Because your dad was involved, right? So you get a pass from this, but streets are now cleaner and you got a problem with that. Like, I want to know where his gauge of like the importance of things are, but I guess you have to do that, right? Like, it wouldn't make any sense. He's like, no, F you. And they start fighting. It's just like, you know, like you got to put a tail end on it anyway. And it just seems like if Batman agrees to something, everyone goes, well, it's okay now. You know, he's kind of like the, the, the weight. And we had of just a few years earlier, been down this, this road of the distrust between them with all the identity crisis, mind white business. So yep. I, I, I guess this works well enough. I, I don't know. In fairness too, the Bruce he talks to at the end of flashpoint is the new 52 Batman, the younger. Yeah tweaked yeah. version of the character so maybe yeah. that maybe that accounts for some of it too then this is the last thing because i not not to harp on the changes to barry's origin but i think this is the last this is the other thing that kind of i always bump up against with that is like like you right wally is my flash and one of the things that was always cool about wally was there was just this energy this humor this a little bit of a yeah. reverence to the yeah. character and with barry it's like okay already this is going to take a little getting used to right my, my flash mm -hmm. is not the guy anymore but right. saddling Barry with this lifetime of time travel assaults from Professor yeah. Zoom or from Reverse yep. Flash is just like, again, not, not that Barry became so overly grim or glum or dour, but it was more in that category, right? And yeah. so I feel like- Yeah, he's it, bad Barry. It just like yeah. weighed Barry down where it was already going to be an adjustment from Wally. And I don't know, I guess the counter argument is, hey, yeah. if you didn't have that, he might feel too much like Wally. So I, I get wanting to yeah. distinguish the characters, but I think that was always a little bit of it for me as well. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like as soon as you take someone's attitude and you change it, it's like it's like the surefire way to re-kickstart something. So it's just like, now, now you got a serious one. Next, it'll be a funny one. And I don't know. It's like you got, I, I mean, we're talking about it as like fans of the medium, right? But like, you know, there's people sitting in offices going, these numbers are down. This is going on. These people need to, these short stores are closed, which I found out anything from Sean Hendricks, like four of the local biggest shops in like New Jersey are closing their doors, man. Like people aren't. So now it has to be dynamic stuff. It's got to be dynamic stuff. Like they're, 
if you throw, look, if you're a fisherman, you throw one lure into the water, you might have to wait. If you got 75 of them in there, you're going to catch something faster. I think that's what it is. Like, let's just throw as much stuff in there and we'll see what sticks. And a lot of changes have to happen to do that. And it changes our perspective on stuff. But ultimately, it's about us because we're reading them. But it's about new people, too, because we're always going to get it. Yeah. But it seems like with the amount of stores that's shutting down, that's not even going to happen. No, I know. No, for sure. Well, that was Flashpoint. Again, was ultimately used as this crisis level event, not originally conceived as it. And I think, you know, as I was reading it, one of the things just on a on a logistical note, it's like, it was only five issues, right? I mean, it's that zero hour, yeah. that zero hour territory. So it was, it meanwhile, was the short. compendium, cause I was going to get it. And it turns out I had the stuff that we needed anyway, pretty on hand. It is this big dude. It's this big. This guy has all the, the main storyline. Yeah. The main storyline, like it's a dude, it's a mini series, man. It's a mini series, but they dipped into everything. They got Frankenstein in there. They had everybody in there. And it was just like, it seems bigger than what it was. And maybe that's why maybe that was never the plan in the first place, but now they're like, all right, we got to fill some shelves. So give me a Canterbury cricket story. Give me a booster gold story. Give me a, this one story. At that point, you have to do that because you can't just do six issues and then be like, everything's changed. You got to make it this big event. I, I always wonder what this story might've looked like in terms of issue count, in terms of story, if they had known this was the road to a quasi reboot. Right. Yeah. I can't go yeah. full reboot because it wasn't, but it was close to one. Like, yeah. I, I just wonder, and I wonder one of the things that I've has always bugged me about the new 52 is that we didn't get a proper farewell to the post-crisis versions of the characters. I, again, yeah. I, I just wonder if this had been planned out further in advance and they knew where they were going with it. If, what would it be if like? If it might've played out differently and, and if the new 52 might've been more palatable because you had more of a send off for the previous yeah. versions, but we'll never know. I think- I think to use a teaching term, I know it's used other places. I think if you had it in mind and you backwards planned it the right way, I think it would have been a more enjoyable run. Like, you know, if it lived to something this small and they're like, whoa, by the way, we got a springboard to this other thing. You know, you're going to get the best of what they can give you at the time. I think if you laid it all out and you're like, this is where we want to end. This is what we're going to start with. What can we actually do to make it, you know, seem like all the pieces are there for reason and not just a couple books thrown in there for no reason. Um, I think you would have enjoyed it a little bit more. I mean, I liked it. It was great. It was a great read, dude. Um, but, but, but I think if it was planned properly, of course it would have been better. Of course it would have been better. Yeah. But I guess we'll never know unless you want to write one. Well, listen, DC, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for real. Like, come on, man. Can we give my man some love? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, All right, so that was Flashpoint and Flashpoint Beyond. Uh, Next week for Chapter 10, we'll be hitting Dark Knight's Metal. It will be my first reading of this. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be a fun (laughs) conversation either way. I encourage everyone to follow Justin on Instagram at Real Life Lobo. Is there anything else you want to plug or direct people to? No, I'm getting married and you're awesome. That's pretty much the only two things I got right now. And Sarah is like, she's being so, like, I text her, I'm like, we're wrapping up. Right, because she still has schoolwork to do. And she's so like, dude, look, shout out to anyone. It's like you said, the wives, dude, the wives, the husbands and stuff. Cause like, she knows she's got stuff to do. She hasn't texted me once. She hasn't been like, Hey, can you wrap it up? Cause she knows how important this is. And you got to give love to someone who understands your stuff that much. So yeah, I'm, look, if I'm going to shout out to anyone, it was, it, it was Elon, the guy who does the custom shoes and my future wife to be in like another, you know, you know, couple of days, couple of weeks or whatever. So we appreciate that. 
Very nice. Well, congratulations on the impending nuptials. So happy for you. Thank you for joining me for this. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you're the Flashpoint guy. I know you love this world. So it was great to get your take on everything. Yeah. Audience, thank you. As always, I really appreciate you tuning in. We're we're nearing the end of this event. I'm actually getting yeah. it's, I'm getting a little sad. I, I yeah, Going into yeah. this, I'm like, it's going to be so much work. But I've actually had a lot of fun with it. So uh, we still have a few more chapters to go. Keep tuning in. And of course, as always, it's about what you do. It's about action. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.